This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Candyman. I am not going to say that four more times, Aaron. But Abe, the Candyman can. Stop it! The Candyman can. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. I'm the Candyman. Who can take a sunrise? Sprinkle it with you. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi, say my name. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss the movies weekly. We dig into movies we most explore for your review. The occasional commentary track or some other film movie topics. This is episode 466, 466. That's pretty, that's a good episode for for some honey and jam. <laughs> Speaking of honey and jam, this week we were talking Candyman, the 2021 update slash sequel to the 1992 original film. And mm-hmm. joining us for Candyman, we have from, from Lenoir Artur, he knows not to summon anything, it's Terrence Johnson. Hello. Yes, I'm the person who muted the TV when I watched the original by the time the fifth Candyman rolled around. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us for Movies, Marcus. He's the man in the mirror. It's Marcus Robinson. Oh my God. <laughs> what a description. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm here. Yes. Marcus, you're the only one that can make a change. Oh, boy. Shaman. <laughs> um, <laughs> glad to have you both here. How are you both doing today? Good. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ominous. Uh, there's nothing else. Yeah, fine. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you both here. So. <laughs> well, now that you mention it, I'm just, I'm just okay. Like, oh, okay. We're all just telling for real, like. <laughs> my facade is coming down well you, you, you got you, want, you, you want to talk about it we got nothing else to do yeah Thanks. i mean this is how podcasts work we i put my hand on my side of my face so i can just lean into the microphone right now and ask you, <laughs> how, how are you doing you want to talk about it annie pot style and uh, ghostbusters <laughs> <laughs> so, no it is i am happy to have you both here i i am looking forward to talking about candy man this movie i've been looking forward to for a good chunk of time and now we can all get into it uh eventually but first up let's do some show notes first uh, iTunes reviews ratings, it is good to get those. It helps out our show. It'd be really nice to get some new iTunes reviews. It, you know, will pump us up in the old charts. It'll make you feel good for, you know, just doing a favor to a show that you occasionally listen to. And it'll make us feel good because, hey, there's one less thing we had to write ourselves. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one less thing we had to write ourselves. We've written all of our podcast reviews. <laughs> no, I just do I do a lot of writing every week. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> I knew it. Thank you so much in advance. Uh, what else? Summer Movie Gamble. Uh, both of you, Marcus and Terrence, are among the many guests uh, that we have recurring on the show who are in the Summer Movie Gamble, where Abe and I, along with all of said guests, try to predict the top ten highest grossing films of the summer. This time we're doing the worldwide box office, and we are coming towards an end. We have a few weeks left, uh, but this week, of course, we had Candyman, uh, which was, of course, in contention because it's released during the summer, um, and I don't believe anyone had it in the top 10 i think there might have been a couple dark horse picks for it but the film did arrive in first place at the box office this weekend with a global 27.5 million debut which is for a horror movie especially not bad uh it'll take a lot of uh you know legs to to build that to a much higher number to be in the uh, top 10 that said i am at a loss as to what to expect for the final results here because there's certainly a lot of movies that did not perform super well as long as space jam comes in the top 
three, I'm good, I think. We'll see. Ooh. We'll see. Yeah. No, not the, oh, the top three. No, you're screwed. But um, as far as Space Jam <laughs> being in the, in the top ten. Four weeks. Let's go. Space Jam being in the top ten, it could go either way, it looks like. Like, Free Guy is making a big play at it. So that, that might, like, bump that one off as far as, like, ones that, you know. But then again, Suicide Squad's done, like, really bad. So it's like, we'll, we'll see what happens as far as some of the potential contenders. But yeah. I'm feeling, even though I think this, this new Suicide Squad is better than the first one, I'm feeling vindicated for my forgetfulness, forgetting that that movie was even coming out this summer and not putting it in the list to not having it be a big factor in this competition. It worked out. It might ultimately, yeah, it's, it's good. It's got a good chance of ultimately helping you because that means there's one other movie that might be in there instead. So we'll, we'll see. How, we'll see how that yeah. plays out. Uh, let's see. What else? New commentary track. Speaking of Candyman, uh, we just talked about the original Candyman. Um, for our month's commentary, and you can find that available now uh, everywhere you can find our show. It's a lot of fun to uh, record. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for show notes. So let's uh, move on now. Let's get to so let's get to some out of quickies. Great, Mike. Tm, that was good, Aaron. I was I was happy with that one. Yeah, you were just like on it this week. It's a late summer swing, as some call it. Nobody calls it that. Um, <laughs> Terrence, let's start with you. What have you seen recently? Um. You told me to talk about this movie <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I'm going to talk Damn, about. Trade secrets. <laughs> I mean, he. I, I texted him that I was watching this movie. He's like, okay, you're definitely talking about that on the podcast. <laughs> so the movie I will be talking about is the original Candyman. No, um, I did watch <laughs> the original Candyman, um, which was fine. Um, I'll get into that more when we talk about the new one. Um but I also watched Vampires on a Plane, a.k.a. <laughs> Blood Red Sky, and I enjoyed it. It's really fun. <laughs> it's wild. Legitimately one of the bigger swings I've seen a movie take, maybe since Snakes on a Plane, of just like, or and like Train to Busan, I, I think would be in that. That's in a good comparison, like how, as far as the sincerity, know, I think, of it goes. Yeah, like it's it played straight up but with all the the terror that actually having a vampire on an airplane would cause um it had some really interesting political stuff that it was trying to do um it has a brutal ending mm. absolutely brutal ending i i do think it's a little long yeah it's like over I, it's I, like I, a little over two hours it's, it's yeah, yeah. I, when i i checked i was like two hours oh god because i was kind of like how long how long can you keep this thing going? There's only so many rooms on the airplane the characters can be. You know? Did they check the first class cabin? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Making sure. You know, they make a big deal about the first class cabin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do, actually. It's like you can either be in the cockpit, you can be in first class, you can be in the main cabin, or you could be in the storage yeah a lot of a lot of airport a lot of air force one yeah. going on as far as the tiers of the plane right <laughs> yeah so but it's very entertaining um it was wild to see dominic purcell dracula himself from blade trinity <laughs> oh i was thinking more mick rory from legends of tomorrow um, i get it but it's like well he played a vampire before so good on him yeah <laughs> or graham mctavish from outlander Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Because at first it was like, oh, I thought this was all going to be in German. Yeah. But it's not. It's like a full international production with multiple languages being spoken. Um, 
Yeah, it was entertaining. I was very, very entertained. Mm-hmm. Well, good. As a, as a guy that is, uh, enjoys a good vampire movie, I'm glad you had a good time. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it's in my top ten of movies for the year so far. Oh, there uh, you go. I gotta but see I've this. only seen 40 movies, so it probably won't stay there. <laughs> What's this one called? Blood Red Sky. Blood Red Sky. Blood Red Sky. If it was made in America, it definitely it it definitely would have been called um, Vampires on a Plane. Vampires on a Plane, yeah. yeah. That, that would have sold more tickets. It's I I but I did appreciate the sincerity of it and like them not. It is silly, but it, like the, there are some really terrifying characters outside of the vampire. Mm-hmm. So like, and it plays those characters as terrifying. So it's like it, it balances sort of the campiness of the fact that there's a, a vampire on a plane who's, you know, barely being hidden by a wig and some contacts. Uh, with <laughs> a the good fact wig, that, at least. It's a it's good a, wig. Okay. It's it's a it's a decent wig. Yeah. But yeah, but no, it was. I enjoyed it. That's good to hear. Anything else? Other than the OG Candyman, no. Marcus, how about you? I saw the uh, I rewatched the original Candyman too, um, as well. Um, but uh, I saw uh, Gunda, Gunda. I don't know, I think the, that's the, how you pronounce it. The pig movie. The pig movie. Not the one that's not pig starring Nicolas Cage, but the, the other. The one that's not. I, I saw Pig as well, which uh-huh. I was kind of underwhelmed by. Um, that's surprising. Nicolas Cage's, that's that, a, it is that's very. That seems, that seems entirely up your alley, was, Pig. Oh my god. I was. <laughs> I was so into Mandy. Mm-hmm. I was uh, so into what sound of color, sound, color of sound, col- color out of space. sound of color out of space. Col- col- color out of sound um, is when Nick Cage color. plays a deaf drummer who meets. Uh, there we go. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> All right, exactly. Um, um, so I was waiting to those movies. This one, as bizarre as it is, like underground, you know, chefs fight club. Um, I. <laughs> it just didn't i don't know that it, it did it didn't do what it needed to do for me it's a good movie but it just i wasn't i had heard like really good things so maybe okay, i was it, just hyped up it got hyped up um right, sounds, yeah. yeah 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 um uh but yeah i saw gunda which is the um it's like it it allows me to put like my, my vegan hat on you know because it's <laughs> It's the the vegetarian directed Joaquin Phoenix produced, you know, uh, um, uh, movie about a documentary about uh, it's like a nature documentary, but it has no um, narration or anything. There's no narration. Uh, everything, all the sound is like di- uh, diegetic. Is it black um, and white too? It's black and white. This sounds like what you'd, you'd play this fantastic. in like the you play this in an art gallery next to Anthony's thing in Candyman. Listen, it sounds <laughs> horrifically boring, but it's it is one of my and see here we go now you're gonna think I'm doing propaganda, but it's one of my favorite <laughs> movies of the year. I was not looking forward to this. I had seen this right after I saw the uh, the Istanbul Dog movie, which I kind of got bored with, even though I love dogs. I kind of got bored with that one, um, but this one, the filmmaking is great. The 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 way the the story that we follow is a mother pig and her piglets, and um, what 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 was really really good about the movie is that not not so much how it's filmed, but the shots that are that are 
uh, used. Uh, we see like cows running around playfully and chickens exploring a forest and like piglets roughhousing. It's it's stuff that we usually don't get to see um, in like kind of mainstream, you know, uh, anything. Um, and I, I I think as as a vegan, I've seen all those slaughterhouse videos and all the you know the the, the throat slashing stuff and all that stuff, right? And I, I'm sure a lot of other people have too. Um, that said, Gunda is kind of a, an alternative to that. We there's no slaughterhouse scene. Um, there's no blood in the movie, but watching watching the pig and and her piglets kind of grow and seeing what's inevitably going to happen and connecting with these these animals it's hard not to it's hard not to make a, a, a statement that these are sentient creatures in the same way that you would from seeing a slaughterhouse movie but it's just not a violent take so i think that this is a, a great um, a, an alternative that I'm grateful for, um, let alone a really well made well made documentary, but an alternative that I'm grateful for, as 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 far as for people who who don't are not interested in seeing, um, you know those kind of that kind videos, of yeah. yeah, that kind of imagery, and, and it's quite understandable, you know, it's it's not my it's not imagery that I would share, um, with anybody either. Um, I'd rather see. What is more compelling about my my um, my interest in in, in 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 veganism is the happiness, the the the, the playfulness, the the scene, uh, how you know a pig is like a dog or something like. And I and we get that here, and I think that's very important. Um, but other than that, it's a it's a very well made movie. Like the cinematography is is like lighthouse. Mm -hmm. It's it's very just masterfully done and. Yeah. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. All right. Sounds like Pro a really... Pro propaganda over. <laughs> Can I have my uh, Apple box back? There we go. Yeah, thank you. All right, Abe. What have you seen? Uh, I have seen the original Candyman as well. Um, so we're all in the same boat there. Uh, and then I also <laughs> watched... Uh, I also watched um, uh, Zero New Minutes of uh, Cowboy Bebop. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, uh, cool hand Luke. And then I also watched the pen 15, 45 minute special on Hulu, uh, the animated special of, of the continuation of where I guess season two left off and kind of how they just have like a, a quick summer break with their dad. Um, but it's all animated because, uh, my Erskine and, uh, Anna, uh, are probably figuring out what to do for the rest of season two slash, season three but yeah check it out if you uh, if you haven't already because they're still even though it's animated and it's like kind of like definitely frame by frame animated kind of thing um still still some laugh out loud moments so the humor is still there all right uh i've seen a couple things first is called mosquito state uh this mm -hmm. is on shutter it is this kind of cronenbergian uh film think more spider than the fly as far as this guy it's said in 2007 he works on wall street and he begins to harvest this hive of mosquitoes that keep uh, biting him it is a it is very much uh, trying to be this thematic uh device that aligns this man who's a bloodsucker on wall street that's actually living with 
bloodsuckers in his home. Um, it's, uh, you know, right before the financial crisis uh, begins. So it, it has a lot of ideas on its mind for a very small-scale movie in terms of being very character-focused as a psychological thriller. Um, I I enjoyed it, uh, especially for, like, a, as far as, like, a shutter release goes. It's very easy to put on. Um, but it's got a lot of, like, dark imagery and what have you. But it's uh, it was interesting. I enjoyed, you know, what I got out of it. The other film, I'll, I got two films I'll mention for one key reason. I watched Vacation Friends, which I believe Terrence you saw also. Th- this is I the did. One, yeah, <laughs> this is the one with Laurel Howery and John Cena. Laurel Howery in his seventh film this year. Um, yeah, are you serious? Yeah, um, Laurel Howery has oh, been. Oh, he was in Space Jam. Yeah, that's right. Of course he was. <laughs> yeah. He was in a lot of things. Yeah, I'm trying to think about Space Jam, Bad Trip. This mm-hmm. Judas and the Black Messiah for like a minute. Um, oh, that's right, yeah. Um, what's it? Fatherhood, yeah. Free Guy. <laughs> he's, been all, he's been all over. Like, what a time. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Tom and Jerry. That's the other one. He's like a small part in Tom and Jerry. Um, but so this movie, it's like you know, it's a it is a comedy. It is a straight up like John Cena's a, a, a he and Meredith Hanger. They're like giant goofballs. Did I talk about this movie last week? I'm trying to think. I. Mm, even if you did, I think I did. Yeah. I mean, it, overall, it's. I'm, but I have a reason I'm mentioning it again. If I'm mentioning it again, but like, it, because I saw it last week, but like the embargo wasn't out for like a while. Regardless, um, it is. It's like enjoyable enough as far as this goes, because it has John Cena doing what I like John Cena to do, and I and generally like Lil Howery, which brings me to the other film I watched, Get Out. I watched Get Out again for the first time in a few years. Uh-huh. Um, get, right. I mean, still great. Get Out is very yeah. good. And especially, you know, knowing all, like, what it's trying to do at this point, just watching it because of, like, the performances, there's a lot of strong work uh, from everybody involved. And, yeah, Kaluuya, he's doing, like, it's a, it's such a neat Oscar nomination for him as far as seeing what he's doing and what he's reacting to and how much is there for him when he's not the, you know, there's so much going on around him and he's, like, responding to a lot of this craziness. It's neat to see the fact that he's, you know, got a Best Actor nomination out of it. Uh, but... Little Rahowry is also, is, he's so, like, it's easy to see why he's gotten so much work since Get Out, because he, like, he does carry a, a good portion of the film for a little bit there, uh, and it, he's so effective, and so, like, funny, but still, like, you know, legit worried for his friend, and so it's so informed by what emotions he's going through, while still, you know, making for an entertaining, like, kind of, uh, uh, push away from like the main story that's going on to like get him to like be in on what's happening and try to figure out how to help um but uh, get out just holds up really well it's super entertaining in a lot of ways and uh certainly applies to uh, many things that we uh can still talk about um so yeah that's enough please goodbye yeah <laughs> i thought you said damn and then i was like oh he said yeah let's get to our trailer talk for the week this week we're talking uh, we talk about one of the newest tra- movie trailers where we thought of it what have you this week we're talking Lamb. This is an upcoming A24 horror film set in Iceland. It stars Numi Rapace. Uh, she and her partner... Didn't they, say it, it, didn't they say it wasn't a horror film? I don't care what they said. I'm going off of what... Ooh, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. Oh, just, excuse me. I guess we like going to the A24 party in December. <laughs> if you want people to make excuses for not using horror as if it's a pejorative, go for it. I'm going to say it's a horror film um, set in Iceland involving a couple who apparently start to parent some sort of lamb-type creature that seems like a, a mix of things. Um, 
I will say I think this trailer is very effective in terms of its mood that it's going for with its various juxtapositions with music and what have you. But what did you guys think? Marcus, what, what do you think of the trailer for Lamb? After well, talking okay. about Gunda. <laughs> After talking about, yeah, exactly. So it, it had a, a she, sheep's being herded into the A24 symbol. It had a child with the lamb's head. Uh, it had a Beach Boy song with sheep bleeding uh, intermittently, uh, I, it, this trailer was kind of giving me life. Um, <laughs> it's 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 it looks so bizarre in all the right A24 ways. Like it's just it's scratching me in the right place. I'm I'm really about it. I, I loved it. All right, Terrence, how about you? Um, I thought it was very weird, which is I'm sure what they want me to think. Uh, I was intrigued. I mean, anything A24 does at the current moment and i'm going to at least be like okay like i'm i'm intrigued um it definitely felt very horror to me aaron so i'm with you it just i think i saw somebody say that like they don't like knew me probably said that it, you know she didn't consider it a horror movie it's like okay so whether it's being played you know to be very scary about this lamb child or <laughs> If it is more sincere, you know, either way, I'm I'm kind of down to see it. Um, but I hope it goes in the scary direction. I, I do echo those thoughts. Like, I have a certain expectation when it comes to A24 films and how they play in the horror genre. I don't think any of the films that have been presented as horror and then have claimed to have been mismarketed or what have you, I still think every single one of them tends to apply as horror. So I... I you know, genre classification really isn't my concern when it comes to this movie to begin with, but in terms of like what I'm hoping to get out of it, a surreal experience makes a lot of sense yeah. to me. I mean, I, I just mentioned this, that Mosquito State movie, which is very Cronenbergian. I, I kind of feel like I can get some similar stuff going on here as well, uh, whether or not that includes body horror or just, you know, odd imagery and, you know, the way a parental relationship works with this kind of thing. Uh, I, I'm intrigued regardless, and it is neat to see Numi Rapaz, who is, you know, she's really stuck to genre. Like, that seems to be her thing. Like, you know, she's dabbled in certain other, like, areas, but genre seems to be her forte. Like, in terms of all the films that she's made since Breaking Out and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, it seems like that's the uh, the way she wants to keep writing. And, you know what, she, she has a kind of assuredness to her when she, you know, is in these kind of films that I, I, I look forward to seeing, like, how this all plays out and what it has to offer. Abe, clearly you're probably the most excited about all of us for seeing this movie. What did you think of the trailer for Liam? super excited. I actually, uh, I flew to New York to the A24 headquarters, and I was like, hey, man, just show me this right now. I'll pay you $10,000. And they're like, <laughs> done. And so uh, I also asked for a cardboard cutout of New Member Pace for Paz to, to sit next to me. Um, but obviously, you know, mask on for both of us, even though it's cardboard cutout. And uh, it was, it was a, a great experience. It was just, you know... Beautiful, beautiful cinematography. Um, but with all that being said, I, uh, I I'm intrigued by the trailer. I, everything you guys said is how I feel as well with the studio and also with what it could or could not be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also dug the Beach Boys song that they played in there, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is it, it, it's a fun movie. And then it got dark, and then I was like, uh, okay, classic A24, um, you know, just messing with me and making everything look um, super interesting, and, and uh, so. I, I'd be curious to see it. I, I'm so curious about that scene with, you know, a lamb mask, lamb head, 
with walking toddler i I don't know what it is (laughs) but i am so curious and also i just i i kind of am sort of bracing myself for like a pretty cool psychological like no man like that's just like a dead lamb that you guys are parading around as like a baby and i'm like i can't wait for that reveal either so we'll see but like they have like friends over who seem to be (laughs) like concerned (laughs) well yeah i so i i am curious what the like because i'm like one hundred one hundred percent that Beach Boy song's not gonna be in the movie, right? So I'm curious like what the tone <laughs> like what the tone's gonna try to be for the you know, the majority of this thing, if it's how right. serious it's gonna play it or if it's gonna have any kind of sense of playfulness to you know, absurdity. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see. But um Lamb does arrive say, in, God yeah, only knows. <laughs> Lamb does arrive in theaters on October eighth, uh, this year. So Oh, perfect for Halloween. Exactly. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Let's move on now. Let's get to our let's get to our main review of the week, Candyman. So he's real. Candyman ain't a he. Candyman's the whole damn hive. If you're out here looking for Candyman, you ask me, stay away. I feel really connected to this story. Go on. Right here in this neighborhood. The legend started. Uh-huh. And the legend is, if we say uh-huh. his name five, five times, times while looking in the mirror, yeah. we could summon him. Summon the Candyman. Hell no. Candyman. Anthony, no. Candyman. Stop. I don't want to get creeped out in my new apartment before bed. Candyman. Black people don't need to be summoning. That should have been some of the trailer for Candyman. This 2021 film is a continuation of the original 1992 horror favorite, it incorporates both the backstory associated with the original film while striking out on its own to show that Candyman is more than one story of a black man being unjustly murdered. Yahya Abdul-Mateen II takes the lead here as Anthony, an artist who heads the Chicago, who heads to Chicago's old Cabrini Green housing project for inspiration. He is rewarded with the story of Candyman, who is said to have come, who is said to come back to life if you say his name five times in a mirror. Anthony finds himself inspired to create art, but it comes with a price as bodies start to pile up, courtesy of the man behind the mirror and his hook. So this is a film that's all about calling into question racial injustice, the effects of gentrification, and more, complete with black artists behind and in front of the camera. Terrence, why do you hate black people? I'm kidding. Uh-huh. Why, what did you think of the <laughs> film? What a question. What did you think of the movie? Um... I guess I guess it's time to tell you that my real name is uh, my real last name is Ruckus and my first name is Uncle. Um, why do I hate? What a ridiculous question! I hate you so much. Um, what did I think of the movie? I I think that it has interesting ideas. I think that there is some visual stuff that Nia DaCosta does that is intriguing. Um, after we saw the movie together, I was kind of like, okay, it was fine. But much like another summer blockbuster featuring a cast full of people of color, the more I think about it, the less I like it. Because I don't feel like everything that I was presented with in that story came together in the end. And I don't know if we want to do a spoiler section later or whatever, but just by the time the movie ended, I was kind of like, okay, so like you, 
it feels empty. It's like there was a nice, you know, it's like a nice box and then you opened it up and there's not a lot in it. And that might just come from the fact that like, so I watched the original the day before I saw this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't ever think there was a point in this movie where I was really scared. Um, and not that every horror movie has to be scary, but like the characters within the world of, of Candyman are scared of him, but like the audience isn't. So there's like this weird disconnect because it makes Candyman, the vengeful spirit, not feel that effective because he's he's just an idea of a ghost. Like, yeah, he's doing stuff, but like he's really just an idea and there's nothing concrete and tangible and like you have characters that are going through a lot of stuff in relation to all of the drama that's happening but nothing is ever really linking back together so it, like there was there is some stuff in it that i liked but overall you know having sat on it for a couple of days it it, it is just fading in my estimation marcus where are you coming at candy man why do why do i love black people <laughs> um i'm just uh, <laughs> um Okay, so, so I see some of what Terrence is saying. There, there, there were a few kind of like for me, there was a few uh, like scenes that didn't really propel the story forward as far as the, the storytelling goes. Um, but I, I see that there is multiple complete thoughts here. Um, the director uh, Nia DaCosta. Yes. She is saying something here um, that is is so the original is 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 um, basically a a story about a black mythos through the eyes of white people, um, a white main character, white director, white writer. Um, this version is it, it removes the, the the white characters. It not only does that, but it, it, it's an, an allegory for gentrification culture vultures um white fascination with black culture um the repackaging of black art um but it also makes a case for um the theory that white people are turned on by black poverty and and trauma which is not a, a super shocking thing to say um and when I heard that that you know obviously you hear that that uh, Jordan Peele was the executive producing this thing, and so when I walked in the standard that I walked into this horror movie, um, expecting was it was it was rather high, and and it had nothing to do with jump scares or 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 gore. I didn't really expect that, but it was more for um, expecting a depth of, of of a story here. He's also a writer and on I it as well. Feel exactly yes okay. And so is she, right? She co-wrote. Yeah, she, she, him, um, and, and Wynn Rosenfield are all writers on the film. Yes. So I, I feel like with the depth of story, I, I got that, and um, I got there, there is, a, there is this underlying message that I believe was really, really hammered through, and and though it's not, quote unquote, scary, there are things about this movie, ideas about this movie, um. Uh, the idea that that uh, uh, historical uh, trauma, historical black trauma, it, it, it's terrifying to to see depicted um, and to see tormenting people. 
the original Candyman depicts this 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 demon, you know, a single man turned monster who punishes and torments and 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 relishes in indiscriminate violence. I, I haven't seen the the other ones, but that's just from the first one. Um, I believe what Nia DaCosta suggests in her version is that while violent Candyman is not evil for the sake of evil but more so like an accumulation of black pain and and, and, and an amalgamation of persecution towards the the black community throughout history. Um, and that justifies the violence of Candyman. And I, I don't I, – I, I think there's something more to this too. It, it almost stri- struck me as a sup- black superhero origin story near the end. And near the end of the movie, and I, you know, we're gonna, we're not gonna do spoilers or anything like that. But I believe that is where it completed it for me. Whereas um, Terrence was talking about, it was, it, it was hollow for him. For that, for this ending, really kind of was like, wow, this could be something else entirely. They could be talking about something else entirely here, where it's, it's this just jacked up superhero origin thing, anti-hero origin thing. So I, I really enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy it. I want to put a pin in the part in concerning the ending because I think there's more to talk about there, but I don't want to spoil the film and certainly don't want to talk right, about right, that right. right now. So maybe we'll get back to right. that later on and either give a warning or post that towards the end of this episode just to have like okay. some additional conversation because I do think there's something there worth debating. But Abe, where are you with Candyman? Uh, Candyman is interesting because I think that there's some things that are superior about this sequel, and I think that there's some things that probably meet the same standard and or uh, are a good continuation of the 1993, Two. 92, mm-hmm. 1992 movie. And then I, I also, like with Terrence, I kind of think that some things kind of don't work. Um, not that they fall in their face, it's just like there's like weird bumps in the road that that aren't really paved over and so it doesn't really present itself as like a smooth uh conclusion to some degree mm-hmm. like some things that are superior i love this story continuation like it, it's it, right when uh, uh yaya abdul mateen says his name i was like mm, sounds familiar <laughs> and i was like mm, is this guy really perks my ears up and then i actually really do enjoy I, there's like a body horror element to this movie mm-hmm I was like, that's that was a cool, like, neat thing that you didn't think about in the first one, as well. Um, like what Marcus was saying, like the generational fear and myth uh, and storytelling and urban legends was kind of cool to see this uh, on display. And what I mean by this is more like the Helen character, where I was like, they were they're recapping the Helen story like 20 years later, and I was like, I don't know if that's what happened uh, in the first like 10 minutes of the movie. And I was like, I, that's not what my recollection was, but it's pretty fascinating that just in general, you know, we all have different versions of a story. We're, we're all Rashomoning ourselves sometimes when we have like shared experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Marcus mentioned the generational trauma of uh, black Americans. And it was pretty cool to see that just like on display fully in, in terms of saying like, Hey, by the way, you know what? Like we're, like I actually the the line that got like the most audience reaction that that I liked a lot too was when Yaya was just like yeah you guys just love uh, uh, basically like taking and and using our culture but not giving us any credit and I was like yeah that's pretty accurate um, I love that this also displayed black people in the arts like uh, just like as full on artists um, like painters and uh, gallery owners and then. I actually really like how the myth of Candyman was expanded upon um, 
like different from just being one person in the form of Tony Todd per se and kind of just like thinking about it as no no it's it's just like what Marcus was saying the the term amalgamation of just a bunch of different things like this th- the ending credits to this movie are, are pretty incredible too they are um, and then some things that sort of like on the same level is like I, I actually did still enjoy the dizzying aspect of is it real is it me like who is what's happening here and the music is still great um they kind of remixed like the the og song um or the, like the theme the philip glass score from the first film <laughs> philip glass did the score yes wow. all right <laughs> amazing yeah and then the cinematography and direction are, are good but i think I, i'm kind of on board with terrence on what kind of was rough to me is just that I think the first one had the, a really good interesting aspect of did Virginia Madsen actually commit these crimes or not? And not not from the audience perspective, but from the movie perspective. Like, there's characters in here that are watching videotape of her, and they're just like, I don't see anything that you're seeing here. Um, and then there's there's still, like, questions of did you do it or did you not do it? And, you know, there's actually a police investigation that arrests her from time to time. It's like, hey, man, like you're a prime suspect here. So I, I did enjoy that there was – that aspect of 1992's Candyman, but in this one, it's like Anthony's just like in the wrong place at the wrong time, and yet there's just like zero consequence. And I think the other thing is also there's a lot of characters in this movie that are given screen time. Some of them kind of just lead to a kill for the audience, and I'm just like, I, I don't, I didn't need to have somebody who showed up at an art show and then 30 minutes later, you know, just did for the sake of just me seeing like some awesome kills or whatever. Like it doesn't really expand or it doesn't really like accelerate the story to where it needs to go. And I definitely agree with Terrence. Like it just feels as though there was like a lot of ideas at the end there that didn't really feel closed up on. So like, while a lot of this movie is admirable, especially the way that they were just like, Hey, by the way, like we should do something that's kind of different while keeping the mythos of Candyman. Some of it just didn't feel as though it was like, all evened out by the end of the movie so it's also really cool that it's like an hour and 30 minute runtime it's like this felt like a lengthy movie so good job on them for being uh good with the uh, the allotted amount of time i um am more positive on the film but i do have issues with it that said as far if you hit on that last point my one of my issues is it's not long enough like it feels very short it feels like it's been cut down to the bone like there's a lot of stuff that needs to be said here and either was deleted for pacing reasons or just because they wanted to have a 90 minute runtime i think the movie could have benefited from being 20 minutes longer honestly because there's it's it's biting off a lot more they can chew which is my main problem there's a lot of things that it wants Mm -hmm. to address but it doesn't seem to know how to handle all of them it gets some of them across it very much relies on the gentrification aspect much like the first film um, and it wants to speak up toward about you know racial injustice for a ver- in a variety of different ways. And you all mentioned already things about like all art culture and taking black art and moving into a different direction and what have you. Like all of that's very clear. But it, I mean, where I align with Terrence is that yeah, it. I feel like there's a chance to do more. It doesn't quite nail that, and that's especially mm-hmm. clear by the ending, which I feel is muddled. Um, it, it it seems like it has a tough time balancing being a mainstream horror film along with being a message movie. Um, I don't have a problem with a movie trying to do that, which is ultimately why I like it a lot. I think it's ambitious and I'm far from me to say a movie's not worth seeing when you have, you know, you're relying on an IP in an effort to update that story with 
you know, real issues that are going on and put a lot of, you know, power and strong performance work into that in order to convey that message to a modern audience. And honestly, isn't going to think that deeply about this, or at least wasn't going into it thinking that deeply about this. So in terms of the people that are going to see this movie and presumably can get something out of it, I do applaud Candyman for just existing to begin with. I do wish it was better, but I'm, I, it's hard for me to fault it mm-hmm. when there's so much good here. And there is a lot of good here, beyond just the messaging aspect of it, which, again, yes, has some issues, but also still tries to do something as opposed to doing nothing. It's an incredibly well-made movie, I think. I think the direction here, the visual language going on, is pretty fantastic. The opening credits alone, which is just this like upward look at the Chicago skyline as it melds into the fog, wonderful. With the score... Mm-hmm. Is... I like that. Mm-hmm. As like a callback to the original, because mm-hmm. like in the original, because the opposite, like, oh, you have the, yeah, yeah, it was the opposite. It's I a bird's eye view. It's re, it's a re, I think that was a really cool idea, it's and smart. I and I really I really like the score here. I mean, the score again, the Can- Candyman score from 1992 is iconic because it's this Philip Glass score that's like I did not expect this to happen in this movie. Yeah, and so now you have this score, um, from uh, from Robert. A. Lowe, who I believe did some work on like Arrival, well, among other things. He's like, I know, oh, he's, I know he's a musician in general, and I think that like this is one of his few like cinematic things that he's done. Uh, but I, I think the score is really effective. Uh, I think there's a main theme here that really works, and you know, I, I like getting that out of a a horror movie that can, I can kind of associate something with it. Um, the Candyman aspect of it, um, like what that's doing, I, I'm. I'm of two ways, because one, it's like, well, I'm happy we're just not repeating the first film. Like, I do like that there's Mm -hmm. a lot of new directions we're taking, expansion off the original story and what have you. And even like you mentioned, Dave, the kind of Rashomon effect of who Helen Lyle was, I like that it's, especially because I'm just so familiar with the movie, I like that there's a a different story being told now versus 30 years ago, right? There's like a Mm -hmm. a version of the story that's prevailed even though it's not entirely what happened by any means. Like, it's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is how we remember it now, which speaks to legends in general, which is interesting. Um, but how you handle Candyman, I like that it's this representation of a lot of things now, but you do also miss the kind of seductive quality that Tony Todd was bringing to it. Now, again, right. seeing just another version of this thing where it's the same guy killing people, I can see how that, you know, could be especially given the, the pedigree of talent involved in this, it yeah, I, I kind of expect more as far as the messaging of that movie being relayed now to this movie. It's nice to expand on that. At the same time, you kind of, I feel like you miss a certain, I don't know, charismatic quality of having a very specific face on the figure of people that's murdering other people. <laughs> there, there's something there. It's like more can come of this next because the movie does certainly set up a future for Candyman, but I mean, I like seeing Tony Todd. It's kind of like I, I miss right. that kind of that you know this boogeyman presence of him. Like beyond just like the, yeah. spe- the specter of doom, the fact that there's an actual like there is a very specific person you associate with this. Now it's more of a it's the whole damn hive, as Coleman, Coleman Domingo says, and it's like that's, not, that's a cool idea. I don't, yeah. don't dislike that, but it feels like I'm. If you want to talk about yeah, like you guys are mentioning, like just a level of scariness, something to put a face on, it, something that kind of like not only pulls you in from a story perspective, but also from a terror perspective it's lacking in that category right yeah and 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 sort of to that i think you know i have my issues with the first i don't think he's very scary in the first one either i would say he's right. actually uh, scary but it's certainly like tony todd is a presence that you like yeah when, he, when he's he there you're ter- looking at him you know he is terrifying to those people and he is terrifying to the main character and is harassing the main character 
whether seduction or you know Aaron and I disagree <laughs> on <laughs> on on with it. but it's like when he's being described as like the black Dracula you're like okay I get that and so I'm like in this movie what is he because he's not killing anybody of significance really with the exception I'd say of one person mm-hmm. he's not putting the main character like he, him himself mm-hmm. is not putting the main character through it as opposed to like the main character who's going through something that is tangibly related to him and but I do think there's a reason for that I mean I, I... but like it's not I, I and I know the reason because they get to it by the end because right. like he's a prequel for something else but that's not engaging to me the viewer mm-hmm. I'm like if you want you know he is is he is he his own entity is he just a ghost right. is he something to be wielded is he like they want this movie tries to have him be everything to everybody I, I agree yeah okay and and in that the impact of that character does not register as much to me because it's like is he you know at least with Tony Todd it was like he wants this woman because she reminds him of the woman that he fell in love with all those years ago. Mm-hmm. And he, he wants her to be his victim and he's killing everybody. And he is, you know, it in the movie is really taking it to Helen because it's like, she wakes up and the dog is dead. Right. right? And the baby is gone mm-hmm. and she gets arrested and she gets thrown in the psych ward. And then he's like floating above her in the psych ward. Well, very, there's, very there's, I mean, there's stuff in that first movie what i compared to this movie what i what i like there as far as how to balance these two what i like there is that yes it's it's a mix of he wants her because it's a reincarnation type but, thing it's like he but but like he but i it also it, you know from a filmmaker's perspective and from like an audience perspective it's also like this white woman went into this neighborhood trying to find trouble uh, and yeah. guess what it's going to punish her throughout the movie because guess what she put she, she fucked around and found yeah, out so if, the, if there were this movie and this movie, this movie i agree this black trauma Mm -hmm. and you don't quite deal with the trauma that like yaya's character is is going through in any sort of external way and by that i don't mean like the body because i thought the body horror stuff was it's well done even though i was like why the fuck isn't he going to the hospital right same question black people don't truck doctors (laughs) come on (laughs) (laughs) too soon too soon there's there's stuff like that where like the movie is talking a lot at me, yeah. but it's not doing enough within the language of the story That's and perfect. the plot to make that work. Like, I don't need Candyman to haunt Yaya every two seconds, but like yeah. by virtue of him bringing this thing around, I do want him to be impacted in some way. Like he is, his character is tangentially is not as scene of the crime involved as Helen was but is like involved in that he never has an encounter with the police until the movie, you know, really wants it to happen is wild. Yeah, <laughs> Especially I, if you're going to talk about, you know, the relationship between black people. So it's, it's, it's things like that. It's like, okay, like we're talking, it's like, yeah, black people have a lot of trauma. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, Terrence, something that, that I read or listened to uh, about this movie, um, those folks were saying like, this is a black movie made for white audiences. 
And mm. I was like, yeah, I, that's a very because to your point, like they explain a lot in this movie. I don't agree with it, that. I'm not. I, I, these I are, sort of agree, but that's such a tough thing to level. Yeah, I know. And, movie, and again, yeah. these are not my words. And these reviewers are black too, but they're just like, you know, this is a movie because like what they're doing is that they explain things. They kind of like tell you what's between the lines all the time. And I was like, you know, this kind of just takes away from whether the movie should be playing out and how I understand these things. And like, I I just don't really know if that's you know something that I would. Uh, it just makes it feel a little bit more jumbly. And I, with all that being said, yeah, go ahead. I want to hear from Marcus, but I do. I just want to add to that because <laughs> we've been talking a lot. Yeah, I, but I, I do want to add to that. The, I mean, it has to be a movie for you know everyone to see. Like, I mean, right. and that's not a justification for you know that that doesn't put it off the hook. No one pun intended. As far as like what it's not doing effectively. You, you've made two puns today. I know. But, but, that, but that's not that's not it's not an excuse for what it's not doing effectively. But I still right. think it, it's a movie made by Universal. Like it, it's not an A24 film. You know, it's not something on a smaller on a smaller level. Now, granted, I, I granted, it has Jordan Peele involved. So, yes, right. there's a lot of free reign there. And they made the movie they wanted to make, presumably. But I do think it's I mean, saying it's a movie that's black made for white audiences. That's so dismissive to me. Like that, uh, there's so I much, and there's so much. I know, I know you're. I'm not and saying you, you are. I know, I know. I'm, yeah, not, I'm not throwing yeah, it at yeah. you. I'm not throwing it at Terrence. I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. that to me, that feels so dismissive. Just given the language and texture of the film alone, there's so much yeah. there that I think can be appreciated in a specific way while also appealing to a mainstream audience. Oh yeah, this, when, audience, when, this when, ambulance is going behind me. I'm getting mad, mad about <laughs> this. When Homegirl <laughs> didn't go down the stairs, uh-huh. I was like, yes, thank you. Right. <laughs> and what? So I so I saw this when I saw it the yeah. second time last night. This fucking ambulance right now. <laughs> it's, it's perfect timing. It's happening. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah, it's happening. When I saw when I saw it the second time last night, and it was a not very crowded screening, and I'm like the I'm pretty sure I was the only black person in the audience. When she goes to that room and says nope and walks away, nobody laughed at that because it's just right. there's a thing there that's just not got by certain people. And I mean, yeah, I, I watched it in a neighborhood where I live in, and everybody laughed at that. Yeah, so <laughs> so it's very specific. But the thing is, like, but but. Essentially, what I'm saying is, and this is not even like what I'm trying to. Again, get I'm at, not but, saying you're saying this. I understand. What no, you're no, I, I understand. Yeah. But I, I, I'm also with Terrence. Like, I actually kind of get it too. Um, but with all that being said, the Tony Todd aspect of this, you guys are totally right. There's like, I, I there's like a weird charming aspect to the 1992 Candyman yeah. because he's like speaking internally at Helen, and yet he's also like you know explaining himself. But like what you guys are saying, the first one then i forget who used the term but it's indiscriminate killing like there's just dead people here and there because they've gotten Candyman's way and i at some point in this i uh, uh marcus you wrote this too i, I kind of felt the same way i was like yeah at this point like it feels as though Candyman's like an avenger of some kind and terrence i agree with you like i was not scared at a certain point in this movie i was like okay cool i have nothing to worry about because I'm not going to see anything happen to anybody that unless they like really deserved it. And even then it's not going to be like, uh, it's not going to be a huge jump scare just to, to some degree. It's just going to be very elaborate. Like some of the best kills in here are, are ones that are kind of simple. Like I didn't actually really like that bathroom kill. I kind of liked a, an apartment kill. Uh, and I, apartment I, uh, great. I like the bathroom kill as far as the framing it goes. I, I really like right. what, how they tried to build the sense of, cause it's like, there's two there's two ways to do that. One is okay, here's just a bunch of people getting killed. They choose not to do that, and I, I like that they're like, let's do let's explore the space of a very small area, find different angles to how to display that something terrible is happening. Yeah, 
that that's kind of like where like the technical and the directional aspect come into play and work out. And mm-hmm. that's definitely true. But overall, like, you know, who are these people? Who cares? Um, because to, to what Terrence and I are saying, like, well, if you're saying the first one's the, indiscriminate killing, then you're saying this one's bad for having indiscriminate killing. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> but it's indiscriminate killing that I think ties back to the main to the main character. White person goes to an art thing, picks up a thing from a black man and says, I guess I can do this casually because I don't care. I don't have, who am I, who am I to care about this? I mean, when they kill Ardelia in the first movie, who is the character's name from Sense of the Lambs, uh, I was just like, why did they have to <laughs> do that? Kathy Lemons? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember her name in the, in Bernadette, Bernadette. Yeah. Bernadette in the, like, yeah. Yeah, when, when, and I was like, oh, damn, like, that sucks because she was an innocent person, but she got in the way. And, and again, it was just more like, Hey, you, Helen, you murdered your best friend. Like, no, I didn't do it. Candyman did it. And then this one's like, I don't care about these white girls in this high school. Like, you know, like this is not compelling me to, to, and if the police were more involved in terms of like, Hey, by the way, Anthony, like there's a, you're kind of like a suspect in like this murder case for like these, the strange uh, murders in the, in the art museum and then also uh, at this school because they are all killed in the same way. It's like, I, I think if the movie tries to incorporate the police, though, then you have to like – I mean for a movie that's already making a very specific stance on police, the last thing I need is them to be more involved in this movie as a I, – I hear what you're saying. Well – But there's just not <laughs> – no, Go ahead. Go ahead, Terrence. No, I – we're going to talk about the – Oh, later? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Marcus uh, – <laughs> Where are you with Candyman's presence? Yeah, where, where are you with all of this? Well, okay, so I, 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 so I, I see what everybody's saying. I just didn't have a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with him being an amalgamation. I didn't. I, 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 I enjoyed what you were saying, Aaron. Like uh, Tony Todd is the original Candyman. This is not a Tony Todd vehicle, and I was okay with that. I, I mm-hmm. felt that the way they did it, where it was, we were seeing um uh an accumulation of black trauma and this was the character he was uh this this character that by no fault of his own um he is multiple characters three or four or five or six or seven characters all in one i i enjoyed that and i i enjoyed that as as kind of like this this different version of of this origin story that they were trying to create by the end of this thing mm-hmm. and it's a flaw he's a flawed it's a flawed thing because you yes i talk about indiscriminate killing in the first one there's people that are innocent that get killed in this one too there's a two little girls that say his name in a bathroom mm-hmm. um they get killed they predominantly they were black the only black they characters get killed that too. killed so in this they, movie for that reason they only, Yes, but that seem, seems to be specifically put in there. It doesn't – I don't know that anything was put in – I hesitate to say mistakes or whatever. But there – I believe there is a, uh, a, a like a wildness to this villain, a, a, a wildness, an uncontrolled kind of thing that I love because it's an accumulation of violence and, and horror and whatever. And the fact that he's not – it's not just a black Dracula again, which I love. There's a seduction to Tony Todd, mm-hmm. but the fact that it's not that again, I enjoyed. And I enjoyed how the main character was tormented because that to me was like seeing somebody who really was disconnected from from their culture. And now they're reading about 
some violence and they're really tormented and it's physical torn and then and it's like that and it's affecting that person different than a white person then that's what i got out of it i i i really thought it worked like that and i thought that's where they were going now there are like these scenes that i think if you didn't get all that stuff if you didn't want to see this as a bigger picture i believe you enjoyed those scenes more like these like uh uh, the bathroom scene, that 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 bathroom scene, those are good, really good scenes. I don't know if they push the story forward. Those are the scenes mm-hmm. that I'm talking about where this, where the story kind of um, is not as good as the the overall idea of the movie. But but I do see this idea as a finished and complete thought, and I think I think that's where I kind of differ. But I I agree with a lot of what everybody else is saying. I do. I mean, if you talk about that bathroom scene and just like the movie like what it's trying to do i do think there is justification to get as far as there feels like there's a longer movie that could be here because mm-hmm. i feel like it could easily t- it could tie it could tie that stuff more into the main story like there is right. some killer on the loose who's specifically using like hooks and right. de- you know deboweling de- people or what have you like disembowel disem thank you disembowel like there's something going on that we don't know what's happening we don't know how to solve it and i think if there's a longer version of this that could you know justify why certain characters are aware or mm-hmm. how this is affecting the overall like you know vibe of the area of chicago that they're in like i, I feel like the movie would benefit from that and so, and mm-hmm. you know, again, right. I'm I am speculating. Like I can't say there's definitely a. I mean, there always is a longer version of a movie, but you know, I can't say there was definitely like a. You know, there's some director's cut that Ian Acosta needs to get out when it comes on 4K or something like. That. But like, I do wonder. Like, this movie feels like it has you know parts that just aren't there to better connect things, which I think also adds to what we're kind of dancing around with the ending as far as how to justify places it goes. Uh, and it, and I find, I, I, it's hard for me to like, to, to reconcile that because like I know there's a there's like a strong movie in here, but I I can't get past certain things that are bothering me about it. Which again, I do align with you and Abe, you and Terrence on to a degree. Like there are things that just yeah don't work as well as I feel like they need to, or clearly the filmmakers want them to. Yeah, uh, we talked about Vanessa Williams earlier. One of my favorite scenes in this movie is just him talking to Vanessa Williams and like the eeriness of how that scene plays out and also just what is revealed, but also just how he's accepting this. Like there's a, there's a lot of really good plain face crying in this movie, which kind of just makes me think that I'm not a really good actor. I'm not even an actor at all, but I'm like, this is really good. No, I was confused that, for a while. So good to know. I wish she was, I wish she was in it a little more. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Especially, especially because of when she comes in and like what, yeah, that body horror stuff. <laughs> I was like, yes, like you gotta get this checked that, out. Is nobody like she that she that she only gets that one moment and like everything else continues to spiral is kind of weird that she wouldn't then become a a more integral part of the story. I'll say that. I I agree, and it. I do think the scene is strong enough where it doesn't just feel like a tossed in cameo from the last movie. It feels like, no, this is this, there's a necessity to having her here, but yes, yeah. I do feel like the movie, it, and again, maybe there was more and they just don't have, but like, it, it just feels like there's a benefit there from having things like that to better, well, to better justify why this movie's here beyond just the messaging, like, you know, making this either a straight ahead sequel 
or making this this reimagining of the thing. And obviously it's very much a sequel, but it is doing decidedly different things from the original film. And it just that's the balance that it seems to like have an issue with trying to maintain as far as making it feel, you know, more coherent in one sense or another sense while still having the message behind it. Mm-hmm. Um can we talk more about the some of the other stuff, the other filmmaking like aspects? I yes, think there's please. a lot there. Yeah. One thing is mirrors. This movie does a hell of a lot of stuff with mirrors that I really enjoy. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like gentrification was when they build uh, new buildings with all mirrors. So <laughs> I was like, man, there there are. I don't know that I've been in a um, in a elevator with all mirrors like that, where it was the top, bottom, I have. bottom, down. So I have, yeah. That's it, it, I've never done that. That's crazy. That was legitimately the the scariest. I hate being in elevators in general. Mm-hmm. That was that was the most scared I was in the entire movie. Was in that I'm gonna, moment. I mean, I, I was like that as a mental note. I'll I'll dress up as an elevator for Halloween. Um, Good costume. <laughs> I would have to be in you in order for that oh, oh never mind yeah, you're so, not afraid of elevators you you want you don't want to go in uh, I, don't, I, don't, yeah, I don't like terrence as a man who creates costumes as a side project i feel like you could you're not using enough, enough imagination if you can't picture somebody dressed <laughs> like an elevator, probably. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, that was, you get you I get was, a I whole was, cardboard box thing going on around you you open it up and encompass somebody within you that's a that's a costume right there that's a that's a heavy costume <laughs> yeah that's a, that is heavy hey my old roommate dressed as as the karate kid shower costume so like you know, you can make things work. <laughs> I'm sorry, Terrence. We cut you off at, at some of your favorite scenes. No, I mean that was that was the the scene I think that was the most effective in terms of like the visual language of it. Um, it plays well with the mirrors though. Like it's because it, the yeah, original yeah. the original surprisingly doesn't do it that much. Like it, it just right. uses the mirror as a you know a a portal essentially. But right. in terms of like no, he's actively stalking you within a mirror. That's a really cool thing to cash in on, especially you know you have the technology to do it more consistently now so it just I, I thought that was a really clever use even down to the opening credits which are mirrored so i mean it's just a I, lot of i also want to say that with all the mirrors this film feels very claustrophobic as well i'm following through you follow somebody through a hall and it's closed off and you're in like a tiny room and then there's 10 million mirrors so the fact that they that that's that to me is just really really well done, well planned out filmmaking. You know, you speak about the the hollow or a hallway scene. That was one of my favorite shots in this movie. Is Yaya walking through a circular hallway, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is so like it, it hurts my head to think like, did they bend the film or you know did they change the aspect? But no, it's probably a circular hallway that they're going straight in, and it just makes you feel like it's not going anywhere. And then he finally ends up at at that. Uh, at the critic's house or the critic's apartment. And I was like, this is a really cool shot. So uh, yeah, there, there's some really interesting direction and cinematography here. It's the benefit of like being a film that's based around art culture and doing it, I think better mm-hmm. than some other recent art based movies that I've seen that kind of make the obvious jokes about art. Um, I mentioned the trash can thing many times. Uh, it's, it's a trash. It's just actual trash. Um, it's just a played out. <laughs> um, but the, you know, the mix of the art culture as well as just being in Chicago, which is a city that's, mm-hmm. you know, very much heavy on its, you know, architecture. Uh, I, I think it knows how to play well with that. Um, but that leads me to another question. Do you think the kind of incorporation of Cabrini Green, uh, do you think that works in this film? Like, I mean, we, we open in 77 where you have this kind of look of how it used to be. And then you're, we're talking a lot about how it's been gentrified since then. And we visit it in various forms. But did you guys appreciate how it was trying to visually display 
this area. Wow. What, Terrence? Yeah. What, oh. what, Terrence, what did you say? I said, I said uh, not really. Um, <laughs> I, because it, it, I did like being in Cabrini. And so, because mm-hmm. at first I was like, oh, I don't remember these sort of duplex style brick homes in the first one. And it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. This is just this is like the last remaining part of it, uh-huh. and the towers that I remember with the towers which have actually been knocked down mm-hmm. in Chicago are now being replaced by where Yaya and Tiana live, and it's like oh like that's something really fascinating. I would have appreciated a, a Stephen McQueen Widows style sequence to really show that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think you quite. It's it's clear the difference in the in the space and it's like you never I think what is smart about what Nita Costa does is like you always experience Cabrini Green with like one to two people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it feels more ominous. Whereas there are mo- there's multiple characters moving in and about the other space. And so that's that's where the gentrification sort of feels in. Um But I, I do I agree with you as far as there and that might be a, just a matter of budget and telling like how to like yeah. how to how to best visualize two separate spaces given that mm-hmm. i know only some of this was filmed in chicago you know it, I, but i would have yeah it would have been nice to see not necessarily a brilliant tracking shot like in widows that goes from one side of the neighborhood to the other in yeah. like a minute and shows you the vast differences but something that does visually tell you what's going on without just gaia and diana being like yeah they gentrified it and now this is what it looks like right. like I, yeah nice and i mean i think the movie does through the character, I will say. Oh, so let me let me give this movie credit. Um, through the characters, it does ex- <laughs> ex- explain the gentrification. You know, right. it's like it says something that it's like Tiana Paris, who's apparently a great art person, is working for a white guy in Cabrini Green, and how, what people's uh, uh, thoughts are about his work, um, like the critic. Um, you know, it, that is really interesting through the Mm -hmm. character, through the characters and how they act. I think it it sort of paints a, a really fascinating picture of that. Mm -hmm. I thought the visuals really worked well. It reminded me of like, um, one of those movies where everything is all the whole neighborhood is rebuilt. And then you have one haunted house. Um, Mm. And that's what it that's what I got from it. I was like, okay, this is a sectioned off community that's right two feet away from all the other communities and nobody really seems to even remember it anymore, even though it's physically there. So that I, I think it I think it I think it really was effective for me. And that's Marcus, are you talking about like the Winchester like an example would be like Winchester Mystery House kind of thing or Yeah, but just yeah, like no parking lot though, but just like it like a uh, like right. a movie but that's they, just, they literally it, it like almost surrounded like, by the left. It's part. like it. Right, like in, oh, in yeah. all of those houses are regular, but then there's the right. there's the one house on the block that's left. Yeah, and yeah. I and I I agree, and it's that's a difficult thing I think to convey in a movie that's about like a city that has a block or a neighborhood or a section that's you know quote unquote haunted or at least you know part of a you know there's a certain kind of lifestyle associated with it. It's hard I think to make that like stand out compared to you know a house which is one physical object make that really register as especially if like you just don't know the history like how do you make that visually apparent on a constant level right beyond just talking about it like i, I could see the difficulty yeah. in doing, making that possible 
So so exactly what you're saying there. I think that's kind of like where the dialogue really helps. Yes. Yeah. Color in a lot of it because I I love when he's talking to the art critic at their home. He's like. So you guys make the ghetto, you guys leave the ghetto uh, as it is, and then you guys invite all these like poor art students in. And you know what? In three years, there's going to be a Whole Foods kind of thing. It's like, yeah, pretty much like uh, – so that paired with like the visual aspect of like, yeah, hey, it's all developed around here. We live in like this new building. I actually love that that Tiana Parrish's brother is like he <laughs> – like uh, is it Tiana Parrish or is it is it yeah, yeah, that says like this place is haunted. Um I think it's her brother. It's her brother. Yeah, it's her it? brother. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, that, that's a really – when he said that, I was just like, this is a really eerie thing to say because pretty much everywhere is haunted then, like, which is well, – I think they yeah. say that too. I think Yaya says that. Yeah. He's oh, like, everywhere is haunted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, is like, which is like a cool thing to think about. But, you know, there's like mystery and intrigue and death and murder and, and uh, whatever else, like in every neighborhood that we live in. So uh, it's pretty cool that, again, the universality of how the story – uh, or the the idea of myth and legend, urban legend, uh, comes into play is is uh, neatly unfolded. But you know, to I guess uh, not embellish, but to enhance your feeling of Cabrini Green, you know, what the characters are saying really mm-hmm. adds to it as well. But I agree with Terrence. It's like I don't really remember like a two story, um, you know, brick mansions type thing. But it is what it is. I also liked um, that whenever they were there. It's just eerie because everything looks the same, right? And so you're not really sure like where you are. And I I, I like that about um how the movie is just like yeah we're you're in this like giant massive city, but here when you're here, it's just like you could go crazy. So. Something I uh, I didn't notice the first time, the second time I picked this up is that uh, Colin Domingo's character when he's a child, he gets you know he encounters the man who would become one version of Candyman while doing mm-hmm. laundry and then when he grows up he becomes the owner of a laundromat that just made me oh, I didn't think yeah that. right <laughs> i didn't connect that yeah. um i want to talk about these not, performance candy though not giving out candy well he could he might have a bowl in there laundromats right um <laughs> i want to talk about these performances a bit we've talked about yaya a lot and i do think he's i like him in general i think he's a very good yeah. actor uh, I, I've been seeing him since the get down um, and he's been in a lot of things since then. So it's like, good for him. I, I like that. He's a Cal there. Andy, Andy won an Emmy and he won an Emmy for Watchmen. Yeah. yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, right. Which and, has some parallels to this movie. Yeah. And he, he made a superhero or super villain costume while listening to Depeche Mode once. So, you know, like a lot of things going on with Yaya. Yeah, yeah. uh, but I, <laughs> I did, you guys find him like give it, you know, even with the troubles you have with the movie, did you find him effective as a performer? Yeah. I yeah, found, I found him very effective as like when he when they first did the news report and uh-huh. just that like slow smile yeah. and he's like they said my name yeah and the, yeah. <laughs> the other two yeah. people were like tiana and her brother were like what the hell yeah um, they're staring at him <laughs> he is so great because he's very physically imposing mm-hmm. um but he's also playing i think but i also feel like he's in this movie like he's playing a guy who does not quite have a full sense of himself yeah. and yeah. an understanding. Um, and so like he throws himself into this project and he throws himself in. It's like, okay, well you open the door. Now something is, is, is coming out and he's like wrestling with that the entire film. I thought he was really great. Yeah. Like the sense of obsession that this movie has is a really good, like he conveys that really well. Um, and some movies that we've seen, like beyond this, that are dramatic movies or whatever. I was like, I actually really like when characters. Like, I think of First Man a lot, where it's like when he's trying to land that that uh, when he's trying to land um, 
the shuttle onto the moon. He's just like, he's so obsessed. He, like, he just really wants this to happen because of personal, like, selfish reasons. But in this movie, there's really good, like, physical acting from Yaya and kind of just, like, stoic stares that scare me. Like, one of my favorite scenes is just him in the bathroom. You know? No, and like, he's just standing there. He's just standing there, yeah. and like his girlfriend gets up, Tiana gets up, like, "What's going on?" It's like, "I just had a bad dream," and uh, he's like, uh, "Can you just give me a few minutes here and closes?" The I door? thought we were in for a black swan where something in that mirror was gonna move. I no, <laughs> I thought that something did happen. Like he looks away, and the and the and the the image is still looking at the mirror. That might I, be that might be a Mandela effect. You might be just thinking you got that just from oh, seeing no. mirror okay. stuff. <laughs> like, Right, but no, like again, he he has like a really good presence about him. Like, Mark, or I'm sorry, uh, Terrence is right. It's like he's physically imposing, mm-hmm. so that kind of already adds like an element of like, oh, maybe he's just like this kind of character. It's like, no, there's actually really cool layers to this guy. We'll get back to this in the ending when we talk about that more sure. in a bit after we get through these performances. But because I, I do think it, I think it does justify certain things about the rest of this movie. But we'll get we'll get back to this. Um, you, you have Tiana Paris as his as his his live they're like they're living together. His girlfriend, um she's what she's from like well she's recently been in wandavision right and she's been around for a few years now doing various movies i i, I think she, she was originally in dear white people she was in dear white people and oh. and, and chirac um right she's the lead in chirac basically yeah, she's on the poacher right yeah. yeah um i i like that she gets more to do as the movie goes along i think it does well do like because it Movie has some tricky issues of perspective, I think, and as, as the kind right. of care, you know, eventually she needs to become more of a center focus of the film, and I, I did appreciate that. You guys? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you know what I liked about is that like she was saying all of this nonsense art jargon. Uh-huh. Um, I, I this I hate modern art. Let that be stated for the fact uh, for the record. Um, I agree. I, I'm not the biggest fan. <laughs> yeah, I think most modern art is very stupid. Um. And she sold the hell out of that dialogue. I believe that that character would say all of those <laughs> things, which is an accomplishment because it's like, like you're just listening to her talking about, you know, all of these particular things. It's like, this mm-hmm. sounds so ridiculous, but like, I love that this woman is so competent in this space Yeah. Yes. that she could do all of these things. And yeah, she does get more to do as the movie goes on, which I appreciated. And then there's Coleman Domingo, who I think, anytime he shows up i feel like more positive about things like there's something here where it's like okay there's a there's a quality that i enjoy but uh, like mm-hmm. i i've said i said that a lot over the years as i've seen more and more coleman domingo after he just kind of started breaking out but um uh, mm-hmm. do you guys oh, think he added sure. to this well marcus oh yeah yeah for sure as soon as i heard his voice right. i was like oh yeah 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 this is he he he's like um uh a james earl jones type where I can see it and it's like, okay, something I feel kind of safe or in this movie and it, it's going somewhere and I, and I want to watch what this character is about and I know he's going to show up again. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I love his performance, but he's, I, I think he's good in everything. Anything else we want to talk? I want to get to the end and then we can wrap up, but anything else you want to talk about before we kind of move into the spoiler section? Abe, any uh, questions? Um, no. No. All right. Sometimes you got questions. So I'm just wondering. I know, and I was like, oh. I, I had one earlier, but I can't remember it now. Marcus? So, just one more thing. Like, I, I think this is this is the a tie-in that I had with Get Out of um the uh, how a a black male is presented, uh, the black uh, protagonist male is presented 
um, that is not like uh, some kind of stereotype BT whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's important here. Um, I feel like seeing a, a, a larger black man in, in, in skinny jeans is important. Um, and, a, and a beanie is important. And I feel like seeing the, Abe had mentioned this before, uh, an artist, mm-hmm. a painter, it's that's important. And, and I feel like this really goes, this is the character we have, like it or don't, but this is a character that's real. Um, and, and this is a character we're going to broadcast to to everybody. Just like uh, that's, that's a, it was a big thing that for me in uh, Get Out where I go, oh, this is a character that uh, speaks like me. I, I, I And I really admired that, even though it wasn't a, a something that was really talked about in, in, in the movie. I, I really admired it. So I just wanted to say that. All right. All right. Let's uh, talk about when people should go and see Candyman. Marcus, when should people see this movie? Uh, I in the theaters. Um, I feel that uh, you can get uh, a late night showing with like two people in the in the uh, theater and <laughs> check it out. Yeah, Terrence. I think you should watch it at home. Turn off all the lights. Sit near a loved one. Put oh, put a mirror in the room. Oh yes. Um, I don't like where this is going. Watch it there. Um, yeah, I mean, you, 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 can see it, you can, you can see it. In th- I don't play about Ouija boards. Um, <laughs> yeah, never that. Find one. you'll never find one in my, in my God fearing home. Uh, yeah, it's, or you can see it at the movies. I, I, I just, I like it less than the, some of the people on this podcast. So I would, I'd recommend waiting, but you know, if you want to see the movie theater and you can do so safely then you can go. Abe. Yeah, on our old scale, this would be a dollar theater rating for me. Oh, wow. Damn, Abe. Oh, yeah. I, I, I yeah. Like it, but like, yeah, <laughs> we discussed a lot of the problems that, and issues that I had with it. What about you, Aaron? I have my issues with it, but I do think it's really worthwhile. I, I think as far as a cinematic presentation goes, this movie is wonderfully stylish and has all kinds of things that benefit from a mid-screen viewing. And I do think the soundtrack, both in terms of the score as well as the sound design, I think are very effective. So, like, all of those things, mm-hmm. for and for a movie that's you know has things to say and, you know, has black filmmakers behind it like that's the kind of thing i would want to support in a movie theater right now like as opposed to things i could watch easily at home streaming on hbo mm-hmm. max or whatever so yeah no i'd say see Candyman in theaters um all right well, that's been our review for Candyman, and be sure to stay after the end of the po- the regular episode of the podcast because we have an extended discussion about the ending of the film uh let's move on now though abe what uh <laughs> what time is it here it's time for it's time for a quick game here I want to summon Candyman right now and have him <laughs> off me. Little known fact, that's actually the music that plays in an elevator when you choose ground. <laughs> so, Terrence, don't uh, don't get in that elevator. Oh, God. That was some good music, and that is, of course, the improv theme for games. Uh, this week's game is called Say My Name, Say My Name. I am going to dis- I'm going to read you the plot <laughs> you synopsis. You didn't say it the third time? Come on. I'm going to read you the plot synopsis of several of several movies and all of them are connected to a Destiny's Child song. Oh goodness. <laughs> I'm going to feel real bad when I lose this game because I love Destiny's Child. Listen, you're not going to lose. You're I mean, definitely going to win probably. You're definitely going to win. If you if you can figure out what the movie is and incorporate it into a into what the song I'm referencing's title is. 
I mean, you, I mean, you get some just some bonus okay. points. That's, that's Let's do it. All right. If you feel you know the answer, buzz in with your name and the answer. Here's the first one. A team of Navy SEALs go after a Taliban leader in Afghanistan, only to find themselves fighting on their own for, for their lives instead. Uh, Abe. Abe. What is Lone Survivor? Lone Survivor. And the song is Survivor. That is the correct, correct answer. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I I get the game. I had to let that one slide because I was like I was unsure how the game. <laughs> now now Terrence gonna be on his okay. buzzer. Also topical. Uh, all right. Next one. Yes. An alien threat arrives on Earth and it's up to fighter pilots, a computer whiz, the president, and a crop duster to stop them. Terrence. Terrence. Independent women. The Part song. Two? The song is Independent Woman, but what's the movie? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Independence Day? That, yes! That, you don't need a question mark. It's a very obvious answer. Yes, I do want the movie, but yes, if you can identify the song, that helps also. Okay. Yeah. We need, so you, you want the movie, not the song. I want the movie's <laughs> the answer. The song is just a bonus. Okay. Uh, but yes, it is in reference to Independent Women Part 1, as in Independence Day 1, not 2. Yes. Um, <laughs> this is the next oh one. A killing machine trained from birth is deemed obsolete and dumped on a waste planet where he is reluctantly taken in by a community of defenseless stranded wayfarers. Uh, uh, read that again, please. A killing machine trained from birth is deemed obsolete and dumped on a waste planet where he is reluctantly taken in by a community of defenseless stranded wayfarers. Uh, Marcus? Marcus? Uh, is that Chappie? I, what, what, it's what, not Chappie. Uh... Oh. Chappie's not a killing machine. He's Chappie. Yeah, it was a killing <laughs> machine. <laughs> and that famous Destiny's Child song, Chappie. It's Chappie, right? That's what I was referencing, right? Yeah, just exactly. yeah. The first part a of killing that machine trained from birth is deemed obsolete and dumped on a waste planet. Killing machine trained from birth. This movie stars Kurt Russell. Oh, Abe. Abe. Soldier? Soldier is the correct answer. Soldier is the oh song. <laughs> what the hell was that? No. You need some soldiers in these here. Are, all of these are singles, yeah. by the way, so you have no excuse for not knowing these. <laughs> Got it. Well, I know the songs, but I, I have never heard of that movie. So I. <laughs> it's a Paul W.S. Anderson movie. Yeah, well, when you mentioned Kurt Russell, that really helped me out. I, I'm sure it did. And the plot synopsis is originally a soldier train from birth. I had to change that, that wording. Yeah, I was like, what? I don't remember that part. Yeah, okay, so here's the next one. This this iconic woman returns to set the neighborhood straight on Halloween night. While, we're, while trying to keep an eye on a few misbehaving teams who are planning a wild Halloween night party, she is spooked by ghost killers, poltergeists, zombies, and spirits until she gives them a piece of all her mind and fists. What? Okay, this is... Um, oh, okay, okay, Marcus. Marcus. I was like, that's Medea, but it's uh, Boo, Medea's Boo Holiday, or it's Bugaboo, right? <laughs> The song is, is Bugaboo, and yes, it is Boo Medea Halloween. You got it. Okay, I was like, these connections, like these connections are so flimsy. It is the, the song. It's not the theme of the song. It's the connect. It's the title. Okay. <laughs> My God. Okay. I'm, oh yeah. I'm going what, to what, sorry. What? What? Sorry. Is the Destiny's Child song "Soldier" about a killing machine trained from birth? But <laughs> no, but I mean, like it's shot in black and white. Okay. Keep going. All you have to do is get the title. You don't need to think that thematically deep about it. That's the only one I'm gonna get because my hatred for Medea. That's 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 the only one. I'm I, I thought I was hoping you'd get that one. Here's the next. One. <laughs> that's... An assassin awakens from a four-year coma and hunts down the team who betrayed her. Oh, Abe. Uh, Abe. Terrence. Abe. 
I'm going to let Terrence have this. <laughs> okay, Terrence. Wow. Kill Bill. Kill Bill, Bill's Bills. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, admittedly, this next one is the worst one. <laughs> I can't wait. When an alien spacecraft of enormous power is spotted approaching Earth, Admiral James T. Kirk resumes command of the overhauled USS Enterprise in order to intercept it. Terrence? Terrence? Star Trek Two. The Wrath of Khan? Incorrect. You're close. You're very close, especially if you know the full title of this movie. I don't. I, know, I don't. That's the only old Star Trek movie I know the. Okay. Maybe you don't, Marcus. Do you have any idea? No. Okay. The answer is Star Trek: The Emotion Picture or Emotion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. There's, there's no movie called Emotion. <laughs> I want you to know. That that was truly terrible. The You've been picture. uninvited to Terrence's Halloween party. Boo! I was the Halloween was an earlier answer. For, uh, I know. I was <laughs> waiting for Bootylicious. Here's the next one. There you go. That's too easy. That's why I didn't do it. Set in, <laughs> set in 1972, an intelligent 11-year-old girl spends time with her father, a mortician and widower, and her best friend, who is allergic to bees. Abe. Abe. My girl. My girl is the answer. Girl is the song. He can't see with those glasses. Here's the next one. <laughs> In turn of the century Vienna, a magician uses his abilities to secure the love of a woman far above his social standing. Terrence? Terrence? Oh, God. The Prestige? Incorrect. Very close. It's the other one that was like the same movie. Uh, I know. What was Terrence? that other one? <laughs> Terrence? Terrence, the illusionist. The illusionist is the hey. correct answer. The song is illusion. I was like, you know, they had similar posters. Is illusion a single? Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> Are you sure? I, like I did my research. It. Yes, it is. Hey. All right, well, you... I'm sorry if it's not the most popular. It's not your greatest hits, Terrence, but it's, it was a single. <laughs> Here's the next one. Two very different, two more. Two very different families converge on Martha's Vineyard one weekend for a wedding. I have the tagline in case this is too difficult because I know that's vague. Wait, let let me. Okay, okay. Two very different families converge on Martha's Vineyard one weekend for a wedding. Uh. Abe. Abe. My best friend's wedding? Incorrect. Terrence? Terrence? Jumping the broom? It is jumping the broom. Jumping, jumping, jumping. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, that's what it was like. I really had to go deep in the Rolodex of knowledge (laughs) to figure that one out. I had the tagline in case you guys are going to get it. Sometimes the only way to get past family drama is to jump right over it. Yeah, Uh, that would have. Here here we go. Here's the the last one. This looks like a close game, though. I, I do have a tiebreaker just in case. And I'll do it anyway, because why not? It's fun. Uh, violence and mayhem ensue after a hunter stumbles upon a drug deal gone wrong and no more than $2 million in cash near the Rio Grande. Terrence? Um, Terrence? No Country for Old Men. No, 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 no Country for Old Men is the correct answer. <laughs> oh, my God. That's... Uh, we're going to have to remix all these and then uh, put it in the beginning of the song or like where they fit in the, um, the chorus where Aaron's talking about them. 
Well, Terrence, you want you ran away with the game at the end there. Abe, you got you a valiant effort to Marcus. You got on the five board, so you should be happy. Uh, yeah. five, five to three to one for Marcus and one five for me, of course. Okay. Um, but, um, I was hoping heat stroke would take me by now. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that. I, I had fun with that game. I hope you guys did as well. There you go. That's a good game, just, Thanks, Aaron. The next time I see you, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Here's here's the gut. I do have the tiebreaker question. Um, Hit it. What is the highest grossing film Tony Todd has starred in? Oh god. At the domestic box office, if that matters. Marcus. Marcus. Were we talking about was it a a final station five? It's not. Although (laughs) worldwide, pretty high up. Worldwide, that is one of the highest because it was 3D at the time, so it made like a hundred and something million dollars, but it's not the highest grossing. Wow. Is it The Rock? The Rock is third. I don't know what movies Tony Todd has been in, so I would like. There's two. One's add. one's kind of a trick, not if you know it very well, but it the, the other movie? the other makes it. No, uh, wait, what'd you say? I guess if it was an animated movie, not I quite, no. but his character is animated. Hmm, I don't know. It's Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. Oh. Oh yeah, he's the, he he's the fallen. fallen. Yeah, which is a prominent mm. character. I mean, he's not in. He's not not in it. Uh, what the other... is the What is the Destiny's Child song? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm sure there's a fall. There's a song of fall in the title, probably on one of their albums, or or revenge for that matter. That's the that's the premise of Bugaboo. I mean, <laughs> uh, Plat- Platoon is the second highest. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah, the, the rocks right in rock more worldwide. Than I did domestic. Anyway, that was games. Thanks, Aaron. Let's uh, move on now. Let's get. <laughs> You're welcome, Marcus. <laughs> Let's. That wasn't that painful for you. I feel like you did a good job. You had fun. You got okay. one on the board. <laughs> uh, You're gonna go to your to Spotify after this and listen to a bunch of Destiny's Child songs. Like you got everything. Else, really. <laughs> Here's the next part here. Out now feedback. Be back. Be back. Be back. This is where I go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash on a podcast. We asked a number of questions to the listeners, and they gave us some answers, and here we go. First up, what are some urban legends you grew up knowing about? Irene writes, I'm a 70s kid, and we were all sure we were going to find needles and razor blades in our Halloween candy. Also, everyone knew someone who died eating Pop Rocks and Coke together. Candy was deadly back in the day. Uh, Maxwell Haddon, oh, friend God. of the show. He writes, the one that always came to mind was the was the crop the Cropsy monster, especially when I spent time at Sleepaway Camp, and Zeke the plumber. Hello. I don't want to know what any of those are. Those oh, Zeke scary. the Plumber is from uh, Super Shorts. Yep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Zeke the Pl- that was a scary episode. Mm-hmm. What was the question? <laughs> what, are your, what are urban legends you grew up with? Definitely the razor blades and the candy. Mm-hmm. Okay. We still checked, yeah. It's like if it was yeah. not packaged by a factory, we threw it out. Well, I'm, 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 I'm half Mexican, so it was La Llorona was like a thing, even though we didn't live by any kind of river, right? But how it was how is thing. that conjured, by the way? Like, uh, it's just you have to go by the river. It's uh-huh. a way to keep kids away from, from being out too late. Got it. Yeah, being out by themselves, bodies of water, and by a river at night, I guess. So that's why You're not supposed to be in the forest. That's why the yeah. new movie doesn't make any sense. Ghost shit. It yeah. just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, no real urban legends that we grew up with. Oh, the the razor blades and the candy thing. Sorry. Razor blades, yeah. But I'm thinking of like, like, like even today, like up in the bay, there's like a stretch of highway uh near Vallejo. Like it's some high, it's super dark highway. They're like, well, don't drive on there tonight because you're gonna die. And I'm like, okay, I'm never gonna take that highway then. 
Um, let, let Highway Four. <laughs> dude, don't don't go to Highway Four past Port, Port Chicago. You're gonna get shot. <laughs> Never drive on Golden Gate after 3 a.m. It's foggy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, you, there's no, there's nowhere in the Bay Area that you can live where like you will escape the fog. This is true. There's something <laughs> that in can't the even, fog. That's not even an urban legend. That's just a, <laughs> like a fact. Yeah, that's yeah. where that's where Venom like lives. In the morning. <laughs> it's Highway 37. It gets Vallejo and uh, and Nevado together. Is that where the, the Zodiac? Uh, no, that was south. Never mind. No, the Zodiac was up at uh, Lake Berryessa. No, that yeah, for that kill. But I mean, the, the, there's the other thing that like supposedly on the freeway, but that was the south. That was in the south. Oh. Anyway, next yeah. one. You guys ever heard of the South Bend Shovel Slayer? It's from Home Alone. Anyway, <laughs> the next question is, <laughs> what are some great films that explore childhood trauma? Maxwell Haddad, friend of the show, has Mysterious Skin, Pan's Labyrinth, and Ordinary People came to mind. Chris has Can't Beat Pan's Labyrinth. Also, The Shining. Uh, Peter uh, has Batman, and Claude has Birdie. Well, if you're going to bring up Pan's Labyrinth, you're also going to bring up the Devil's Backbone as far as childhood trauma goes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, it's not about childhood trauma necessarily. It's just like, you know, the Exorcist and Poltergeist, like some kids are going to grow up not feeling too great about themselves. I feel like that's probably true. Especially the Poltergeist. Uh, sleepers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Any others? Mm. Yeah, Insidious? Sure, yeah. Any scary movie with kids? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, The Sixth Sense. <laughs> <laughs> you were keeping her sick. Stuttering Stanley. You know, childhood trauma. Stuttering Stanley. It. I forgot about that. It, part. right? It's... I mean, that's all about. They yeah. <laughs> actually come back <laughs> as adults. Right. All right, next one. Who is the ultimate movie boogeyman? Joe writes Pennywise. Jeff has Baba Yaga, a.k.a. John Wick, and Chris has Freddy Krueger. I, I think the ultimate, it's got to be between Mike and Freddy, and uh, Mike and Jason. Mm-hmm. My, Michael Myers, for me, does it. Um, he's... Yeah. yeah. Michael Myers, for That's sure. Yeah. Like, how fast is he walking? Not very. It's pretty leisurely. And he still catches you. I mean, and he, he does, he's like oh. that great ever body strength. Remember in Hollywood H.O. when he like pulls himself down from the rafters and kill. Uh, it is a yeah, that is a good moment. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, how strong is this guy? He does like uh, like five sets of pull-ups, like five sets of ten. <laughs> One. He's armed. just working out <laughs> just to kill Laurie Strode. Just working he's out every day in prison. Those rocky push. He wakes up like Christian Bale and Batman Begins, where he just rolls out of bed, starts doing push-ups. He's wearing boxers and the mask. That's it. He just starts doing push-ups. Oh <laughs> yeah. my god. <laughs> what? What do you think, uh, Terrence? Do you think he's a briefs guy, Michael Myers? He's old school, so I think that would make sense. Could be. Yeah. I, I'm not even entertaining this. <laughs> uh, that next question is: What's your favorite iconic horror movie weapon? Chris has. <laughs> Gina Dentata and Cherry Darling's Machine Gun Leg from Planet Terror. Uh, do you guys have any favorite horror iconic movie weapons? Kill the Council Matters Place, uh, Outer Space, the, the noses. Um, can I? What about the chainsaw from Evil Dead? Right. Yeah. Any chainsaw in general, and Texas Chainsaw works as well. But yeah, Evil Dead is pretty specific as well as the yeah, boom, puts the it boom, on his arm. The boomstick, of course, yeah. is also pretty key. Boomstick. The, the 
wire in audition. There you go. Oh god. There you go. That, that's so <laughs> gross. Oh god. God, Marcus. <laughs> never, never Give me another point in the game. And... <laughs> All right, five, three, two. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, next uh, question for you. Uh, well, you mentioned the chainsaw Terran, so that was already okay. pretty good. I mean, what's another like big besides like I mean we have like the hook obviously of Candyman all this talk right now, and of course I I know what you did and I still know what you did last summer. Um, but um, we have the the I guess the knife from Scream, although that's the knife's pretty universal. Yeah, knife from Scream, yeah. Psycho, Halloween, like knives yeah. work. I mean, the, okay, the movie Peeping Tom that came out the same year as Psycho um, from Press is a pal. It was just pal, Michael Pal. Um, he has a tripod that has a knife attached to it, so he can what? he can film you experiencing your death while he's killing you. That's not cool. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. This guy's uh, an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. What are your favorite genre films that explore socially relevant topics? Irene writes the original Candyman, Night of the Living Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead, The People Under the Stairs, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Chris has as ho- always horror as it finds a way to give you gore entertainment, yet also explore social issues. Irene was spot on with Dawn and Night of the Dead. Yeah. Well. Yeah, Get that's out. great. Mm-hmm. Love. Also, I will also third Night of the Living Dead. It's phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. Um, Romero's dead movies in general are all about something, which I very much enjoy. The alien. Alien, if we want to make it about capitalist greed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots. Of, all every horror movie seems to have some sort of societal connection. So we could be here forever. But sure. Aaron, you mentioned us. Us, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, hands across America. Uh, all right. Hmm. Yeah. The next question is: Could Abe handle Candyman? Uh, Chris says, "Well, he's not a clown, so he's halfway there. Just cover him with honey." And I don't know if you're saying cover me with honey. Recover Candyman with any. Either way, get out, out of my head. Abe. Yeah, I, feel, I like the idea of a, a, a honey clown coming after you. <laughs> That'd be terror. Are you so you're afraid? You're afraid of clowns, dude. Clowns don't even fuck around with clowns, man. Like, what? Not, what have, is it about? Have you ever clowns? been to Fright Fest at Six Flags? I will never go to that. In Vallejo. So they they had a haunted house that was full of nothing but clowns. That is not appealing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think part of it is also just uh, yes, the horror movies that we've seen as kids, but in general, it's like the serial killer John Wayne Gacy. is like he shows up at kids' houses as a clown, and then he's like, "Yeah, I guess I'll just go kill your parents uh, later." It's like this is fucking crazy. So uh, yeah, no clowns. Uh, Ricardo Alegria says, "Just say it five times and find out." Don't do it. Uh, and then I wrote, uh, "I'm not gonna fuck around with that shit because that's not what I do." <laughs> so. Uh, just like Terrence, no Ouija boards because uh, I will, I will, I will ban you from my home. I've heard you got a mean right hook though, so. There you go. Yeah, because you know I've got a hook for a hand. There we go. It's all, it's all full. Yeah. You know. All right. Uh, yeah. Last question, Aaron. <laughs> Our last question is: What are some? I want to see. I want to see who Abe. I want. I want a whole podcast of who Abe can take and we. Oh. <laughs> right. Happy special guest then. Our last question here. What are some great films featuring a heavy use of mirrors? Chris writes, mirrors. Uh, Todd has Enter the Dragon. Uh, Dwayne has Inception. David has The Lady from Shanghai. That would be my answer. Uh, Michael has Us. Uh, and he also has Doctor Strange. Oh, Doctor Strange. That's an interesting one. Black Swan. There you go. 
Mm, Enter the Dragon. Yeah, of course. Is a... mm. Are we just naming movies with mirrors in it? Well, movies you like. That Poltergeist. The poor mirror. He has a great mirror scene. That's mirror scene. scene. Yeah. Yeah. In the third, in the third one, absolutely. The, th- the third one does have a great mirror scene, but the first one yeah. has. A, I mean, the first one, the guy tears his face off in a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> in that PG Steven Spielberg produced movie, like he did. I know. Like, <laughs> crazy. Got so much past back then. All right. Well, that's enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, you can find more of my work on my personal blog at CodyZeke.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing for Why So Blue for Blu-ray and Criterion reviews, as well as Wheel of Entertainment for my movie reviews. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more for my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash Walrus Moose. Uh, hashtag, they said my name. <laughs> uh, Marcus Robinson, where can people find more of your work? Uh, moviesmarcus.com, Twitter, moviesmarcus, Instagram, moviesmarcus1, and, uh, doodlesmarcus, I guess, if you, I'm basically a troll on that, so, just beware. <laughs> Terrence Johnson, where can people find more of you? Uh, you can find me at lenoirtour.net, L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R.net, um, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Terrence B. Johnson. You can find all the other episodes about Now Third Name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomac, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us anything you have to say about this episode or anything else we talk about at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Marcus, Terrence, thank you very much for joining both of us. Thank you both. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Good to have you both on, as always, of course. And remember, listeners, there is a good, like, another 30 minutes of conversation about Candyman following the end credits here as we kind of go through the song. You're going to bleed right into it. You're going to hear a lot more of us talking about Candyman and the full ending, so stay tuned for that. But it is going to do it for this week's episode, so until next time, so long. And goodbye. finale they set him on fire and he finally dies but a story like that a pain like that lasts forever that's candy man so he's real bell is real samuel sherman Daniel Robitaille, they're all real. Candyman is how we deal with the fact that these things happened. That they're still happening. Uh, okay. I'm going to present this now as if this is at the end of the episode, as if it's at the very end, past the ending song and everything. So let's talk about the ending of Candyman. Okay? <sighs> let's do it! So just to, like, just to, just to summarize briefly, essentially, Coleman Domingo's character... He, he is all about promoting more Candyman, and at this point, Anthony has been in a, like a fugue state that has rendered him basically emotionless in all of these things. And so mm-hmm. Colvin Domingo goes the extra step, saws off his hand, shoves a hook in it, and he, he reveals himself as something of a big bad. Uh, he goes after Tiana Paris for whatever reason. 
Um, yeah. she, she gets the better of him and stabs him in the face like 57 times. Uh, the police arrive. <laughs> Anthony's there as well. He falls into her arms because he's like bleeding to death from this thing being shoved into his arm. Uh, mm-hmm. Police come in. They shoot Anthony because he was lying on the floor doing nothing at all. So that the classic police. Uh, they are, then, then they arrest <laughs> then they arrest Fiona Ferris for some reason. Um, then their cops are telling her. Hey, you, you can either follow along with the story that he was armed and what have you, and we did the right thing, or we can say that he had an accomplice and then you're it. Um, she, knowing she has no options, says Candyman to the mirror five times, and Anthony arrives from the dead, floats onto the scene, and murders all of the police characters. Uh, he then gets away. Diana Paris kind of follows him. She sees him, and he he takes like the various forms of different people, including Tony Todd, mm-hmm. who say who, then he says, "What? Tell everybody, Chris." Yeah. So there's a lot going on <laughs> by this ending. Uh, Terrence, it sounds yeah. like you were unsatisfied with certain things happening here. So, and this is what I mean by Candyman being so many things to everybody. So, like, if if this whole if the whole point of this movie was to give black people a weapon in the form of this vengeful spirit who is not going to kill any black people, because why he didn't kill... Tiana in that moment. That's that's what I don't understand about all the black people that summon Candyman in this movie is that he never comes after them. Um, mm-hmm. Which is like okay, so like if that's well, who are all the, the black people that summon Candyman in this movie though? Well, but you had he kills the little girls. He kills the little girls at the beginning, but who like who yeah. else? So you had Tiana and Yaya, who were she was there. Well, Yaya, he is coming when after he's... him the whole movie basically. Like he's, right. he's well, he's well because because Anthony's. Not. Well, he, I but, mean, he, but he, uh, yes. you know, he's, he's passing on a legacy or something because he's the baby it's, from that first one. So he's like, yeah, trying to finish that business. Which would have made more sense if Tony Todd was in this movie a, lo- a lot longer mm-hmm. um, than the 0.2 seconds he was in it. Uh, it's, if, if it's like, okay, this trauma has manifested to the point to now where we can use it as a literal weapon so we can tell this urban legend and it'll just start offering white people. But very much in the Lovecraft country vein and how that show ends where it's like they bound all the magic of every white person in the country and so now they no longer have it like that is an interesting thought how that got wrapped up in like the police shooting him when he was in the arms of another character mm-hmm. and they were having like this moment it was like oh we we need this is a movie about black people we got to have an interaction with the police but we're not going to have the police question this man at all at any point in time during this movie, despite the fact that all of these things are starting to be linked to him. Mm-hmm. But we're, and we're just going to use it at the end because we need to get this talking point out. Like, it is effective in a way. Like, I knew it put... What I loved about it is it put um, Tiana's character in a bind that, like... And with what I wish the movie did a little bit more, I wish it really took it to the characters a little more because it was like that. I believe that she would summon him in that moment because she's like, I literally can't get out of this. And maybe, you know, if I have to die in this moment, then so be. But like, I we just like this can't happen. Um, but it was weird because it's like it made the whole film feel like it was just now a prequel for a franchise rather than the next part of a story. I I don't disagree with you as far as there's a way to frame this better. I, I do think there's a there's a way to approach this finale better. But I do can think... Can you would have been 
stand if he would have like come in the door and been standing up and like maybe getting ready to hug her or they had like a moment that was not him literally laying on the floor Mm -hmm. in her arms with Coleman Domingo being dead two feet away Mm -hmm. and they came in and shot him that I would believe it was just I was in I was having like this really nice moment with the two of them where she's like damn it like this trauma got the better of this black man this Mm -hmm. guy that I love and then here comes the police because it was like oh we got to make this big statement and it was like but you don't like you already have the the statement there was an interesting statement already being made and but, then it just but got isn't there muddled. a book in there like the movie starts with like an enormous amount right. of police entering a one yeah, little tiny room to beat up one man and then, but then but then you have the it's ending here where yeah you hurts. once again have a bunch of police coming in and just without question just shooting some guy on the floor because he has a hook in his hand I mean, I, I do think that well, I, again, I agree that there's a, there's a, there's a, I agree there's a framing, there, there's a way you can frame arms, this differently. Though. I agree there's a way you can frame this differently to make that clear because they just come in and you have an awkward angle and you hear shots. That's not the most satisfying. I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, but I, but I do, but I, Tiana but I do think narratively the there's an intention there that makes sense to me. Like it does connect it to mm-hmm. the fact at the beginning of the. Okay, book. the intention sure. can be there and it could be a flop. Like that's what I, <laughs> I agree. I, I'm saying I'm yeah. saying it's muddled. I'm not disagreeing with you there. I'm just saying it does make sense to me as far as they're trying. They opened with one thing and they closed with another thing that that mirrors itself. Mirror. Haha. Like I, I think it's there. I, 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 <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Are you are you more upset that he died? I'm more upset at the how because yeah, like a, okay. it, it was like, especially when you've got Coleman Domingo as is sort of the real big bad of the story, because which he's, comes he's, out of like that's not that's another thing. It's just yeah, not, that's exactly. not given enough juice Let, to be let's like. Well, that see, and that's what I am talking about. Right. Like, is the point of this movie to give the black characters a ghost weapon that they can yeah. use to start? getting rid of all the white people because the white people will be silly and it kill and most of the people that die in this movie are white which so, is something nice unlike the first one is that the point so coleman domingo is an apostle right this is if yeah. we're gonna unpack that mm-hmm. he's an apostle so whether you say he's a good guy or a bad guy or whatever that's your take on whether candy man's a good guy or a bad guy or whatever and i believe the tiana character realizes at the end that Candyman is maybe a violent thing, but a, a good way for them to have rallying power. cry. Yes, exactly. So is Coleman Domingo a bad guy? I don't think so. Well, he, I think he, he is, doesn't believe he is, that's for sure. He doesn't believe he is. No yes, okay, so whether I think so or whatever, I don't think the movie thinks he is either at the end. I think... I think so, the movie takes him as he he's a bad guy for like until he gets his you know head squashed in or, or stabbed up mm-hmm. and then once she says Candyman and then she makes the police say it uh, the fifth time and we see what's happening we go okay Coleman maybe he he is he is he is the guy that tries to keep all of the uh, history alive not just this part of the history but everything because he feels like without all of the history we can't understand what is happening and that and that's what that's what i got that i I will say just real quick i will say that that's almost there towards the middle when you're hearing him talk about Candyman to yai the first time when he's explaining he's explaining that he's the hive you there's a lot of emotion in his voice as far as you know it's 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 all of these stories it's all of this history you hear that in there 
but then it does you get a big jump later on as far as going from a guy that wants to convey a certain idea to a guy that's instrumental in making sure it's a thing we're missing a step there i think in in favor of a you know in favor of a twist essentially i i also just want to add the you know just from that coleman domingo standpoint this is an interesting character to have. He shows up kind of just like willy-nilly. I also love that the mother of Vanessa Williams, uh, Anne-Marie, when she's mentioning, like, we all made a pact and somebody broke that pact and it was great. So it was Coleman Domingo who was just like, I'm going to go and get Candyman back. I am on the same page as Terrence. Like, what was his master plan here? So that people would believe in Candyman and that he Candyman would kill all the white people that moved into, like, this this gentrified neighborhood? Pretty like, much. I don't know how that works <laughs> out. Seems like it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. But, but that that, I, I get that. But if Candyman also killed black people... But I think he thought it was a necessary burn the whole thing to save the to save the hive, to save the the, the history, to save the whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was 100% mm-hmm. just for vengeful, I'm going to blow myself up despite everybody. This I think it was needed, this thing needed to be unleashed. This thing this needed, needed to be Vanessa unleashed. I needed Williams to be in the movie <laughs> more. More, okay. more. I think. I, All right, you're right. And, and I think the best summation is what Aaron just said. It's like there's a step missing there. And so you go yeah. from like, you know, 50 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour. It's just like, what happened here? Because the next time you see Colin Domingo, he's like evilly in the in the church. And he's not just there. He's like spazzing out. Like he's like being like yes. all kinds of evil. Like it's not just it's yeah. not just him holding his cool while, you know, saying evil things or, you know, whatever you want to call that. I, I but it's him like yeah. his he's physicality taking, like, is Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah, his physicality has changed at that point. Like, like and like it's his just verbal, like, his speech uh, changes as well. It's just like, what? Like, how did this happen? Now, like, I, 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 okay. I, I so will... you're right. There, mm-hmm. there, there's scenes that are missing of, you know, Lex Luthor, you know, mixing the, the <laughs> cocktail or, or writing on the board. But I, I feel like it wasn't it wasn't so much so that you didn't understand what he was. No, I think, yeah, I, I agree that you can I, piece together this. Don't... But at the same time, we're doing a lot of work on our own, which I don't think the movie. Right, okay. I don't think it's necessarily yeah. fair of the movie to make yeah. us do that amount of work. It's like mm-hmm. I I don't need everything to be concrete. Right. Yes. But I yes. do need the logic of the film to work. So, like, if we look back at the original, whether I find him effective or not, it's like, here is this character. Here was their backstory. They have been summoned now. Candyman is killing everybody. He finds somebody that looks like his long-lost love, and he's, there's, like, the seduction. He's trying to kill the baby so he can have, like, this family that he did not have. Mm-hmm. The whole town is happy that Helen got the baby out. They make a pact not to say the name. There's mm-hmm. another man at some point, you know, 20 years prior to the events of that first movie who had an experience with Candyman, who for some reason, when this guy comes back around asking about Helen Lyles, is like, okay, now I'm going to unleash this guy on the world because I feel like we need to get the history out there and like there's all this trauma and stuff. And it's like, okay, so like, when Candyman then at the end is like tell everybody tell everybody what yeah yeah <laughs> like I, mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a what though tell I the black I don't, people yeah I don't this, I don't think that's unclear story and tell, it's I don't think that's I think I think it's spread I, I think it's spread the me- like why am I right. like Tiana Paris knows why that's why she called him I mean that right. and I mean she and she also spread the message and, that I'm now. Spread the message of what Candyman represents, which is right. what Yaya has been obsessed with. Feels time. like a prequel for a no, I agree. No, so that, and that's, the, yeah. that's yeah. the next thing. I do like. I'm not saying 
good or this is the best thing you could have done. But I do think the I mean, I get that they're trying to it's almost a misdirect as far as being Tarrant or Marcus, like you've said, an origin story, uh, not necessarily a superhero, but, you know, an antihero or supervillain origin story uh, as far as. Yes, we are building up to this thing where he's going to be he's, you know, he's trans uh, Anthony's transcended into being, you know, Candyman 2.0, the one that is be becoming more and more, you know, or people become more and more aware of him. And it's just it's more time, which reflects on the times of now where things are just at this breaking point of of communities protesting and saying things are just tired, tired of being silenced because, hey, nothing's changing here. We're 30 years after the first Candyman and things are not different. Like, so yes, convey this message, say my name, tell everybody. Like, I get what the movie's doing there. And yeah, if it's trying to build towards more Candyman movies, that's both a necessity based off IP and studio stuff, but also that's what they decided. I mean, they wrote the script. That's what they decided to do with it. I'm not saying it's the most elegant way they could have handled it. I agree with you there. Right. But I, I do get what they're trying to go for. I just wish it wouldn't, I, I, I guess I wish it wouldn't all feel so much for personal gain. It's yeah. like I never, it never feels like Candyman is brought into the story for the betterment of a community. Candyman is always being brought into the story because somebody is foolish enough to say his name because they're being brave. Or in Tiana's case, she needs to kill all of these policemen. It's never like, okay, do I summon him to get rid of the developers that are coming in here. And I guess that would be where they would go in the sequel, but it would, it would still feel ungrounded. Cause I'm like, okay, is he just going to kill it? Like she gentrified the town. Why is she still alive? I mean, that, that just makes characters complex yeah. in my mind. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, so just quickly, I want to so add that the other thing that also Sorry. would have been, um, I, the thing that kind of like sticks out to me is that you have, like what, what Terrence and I and, and everybody, I guess everybody else to some degree was saying in the main review of just where are the cops involved in this? Like, where, like where's the investigation? Not to say that, you know, we need more cops and bad guys or bad cops versus like uh, black people kind of thing. More just like what was interesting about even in this movie is like they're saying like, what he Yaya asks, what would make a person snap like that? They all believe that Helen killed the dog, uh, kidnapped the baby, you know, killed her best friend. And then. It's like, like, what will make a person? So the name Helen is synonymous with a, a crazy killer. And in this movie, like, okay, we'll tell them about me. It's like, but who? Candyman or Anthony? Candyman went crazy. He is Candyman. I, I know. I'm not. I'm not asking you. I'm just saying, like, they're like, the people will say, who's Candyman? You know what I mean? And so that's like. That's why I gotta tell people. <laughs> Don't know. No, I get it. But what I'm saying is like, the first movie kind of aligned Candyman with a crazy white woman killer and or the actual manifestation of Tony Todd, you know, kind of a uh, historical killer. Whereas this one's like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's just open door questions. Right. And Aaron, you said it perfectly as well. I'm going to echo what you said, which is like, it's making you do a lot of legwork mm -hmm. that it shouldn't be doing. And that's. Yeah. I think, that, I, I think there's something, I think there was something beautiful in the idea of like, we we have we say Candyman means Tony Todd's character. It means the guy who was handing out candy to kids from a weird portal in a in a laundry room. <laughs> it represents it can represent you know. And then they have that that beautiful the Kara Walker shadow pieces, which freak me out. Mm -hmm. um, you know where they're trying to tie in these other terrible things 
that have happened to black people and like specific like Emmett Till is referenced in in that in credit sequence. Um, and so it's like okay, so like we're go- this term Candyman is is the term to represent black what has happened black to injustice. these specific the specific people. Okay, but now then, if he, be- he if that oppression is now a ghost, how does the ghost operate within the space? Does the ghost change every time? Is it based upon what part of that history you know? Because, like, he looked different for the majority of this movie up until the very end. You know, is it... that? That's where, like, the complicated nature of it is. It's like, okay, like, it can be many things to many people, but then also, like, is the point to have the vengeful ghost or is the point to, like, overcome the trauma? The point. I think the point is to give the community a weapon i think uh expanding on the point of knowledge and 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 and, uh having this trauma and having the knowledge of trauma i think it's too Candyman is essentially weaponized at this point yeah yes and i kind of i I wish it would lean i think it has to it's it's trying to be like just so many things and and in my mind i'm like i just need you to pick one and because like it needs to be longer i think there's there's something you know very powerful about knowledge so my my thing is like is it more important to know about Candyman, the vengeful ghost who's going to slice and dice a whole bunch of people or is it more important to know what happened to the guy in the beginning and to be able to sit with that knowledge and like rectify that history within yourself that's that's if Candyman is 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 trying to exist at both oh, that, places. I mean, that is speaking to that is speaking to both being a horror movie and being things that are summoned by crazy people. No, no, no mm-hmm. plan is perfect. I mean, it's like yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, but like I mean, want but you want this moment to have meaning at the end, and yeah. like right now for me, it's not having that meaning. Well, that's where we're just yeah. disagreeing because I, 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 I think Marcus and yeah, I feel I'm like not. it does have meaning, and you're saying it, yeah. you, you, you don't think it does, and so that's that's fair. I mean, it's just, well, that's I think it's like it's just like. If, if after he died, mm-hmm. or if he had like come into that room after she stabbed homeboy in the face seven hundred times, um, <laughs> and been like, tell every it just that police interaction was just I was like, what? I I yeah I think Terrence and I are on the same page on that front. Um, I don't I, think I, I do so. I think I think with with the yeah. police interaction in the very beginning, it was an overreach nonsense reaction. And this one was an over non nonsense. It was a nonsensical. Re- the, he's on the ground. Uh, you have a guy coming out of a wall. He was, he's standing there. Everybody's gone, and five guys swarm him, and they beat him essentially for five to ten minutes or whatever. And this one, you have a guy who's laying prone, and they bleeding out, and they shoot him. I, I think both of them are just like kind of nonsense things but they do parallel each other and i think just yeah not... i get the yeah. i get the parallel i, I think it's, it's the visual language because the camera does not mm. cut to him it stays right. on her the entire time so like i turned to aaron at one point i was like are they just is she getting shot like right that's uh, I well understand. in the in on the in the in the uh when candy man uh, the the in the very beginning gets beat it doesn't stay on candy man it stays on the kid 
And I think there, there, there's a lot of parallels there. Proximity. Yeah. Proximity. Exactly. Like she's literally holding him. Yeah, but, and so that, I'm like, I mean, but Terrence, you're smart enough to understand like what's going on. Like I, I, I. Yes, but that doesn't mean that it was effective. Yeah, <laughs> like that, that's yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I, I'm. I and I, I would be like, there as far as again, I disagree with like certain choices as far as like what the implication is and how it's presenting it. I, I'm with you to that, but at the same time, it's like I do, I do recognize the, what they're trying to convey here. Like, I, I'm not confused by this. I, we're not saying – I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm, I get what they're conveying too, but there's like this sense of longing and love and then all of a sudden – like I, I don't know. Just It, it could have made a much more impactful impact on me if, uh, if I got more of that, hey, by the way, like, you know, I – if the Tiana and, and, and uh, Yaya character were just – they had, like Terrence, you said, like they, if they had a moment – uh, like and, more I, and, I, and I think that's more that's that's more of we lack other scenes to build up to this moment compared to this is the final scene Fair. and therefore it's bad. Yeah. I, I or, do I think it's if, more of a, a missing missing pieces getting to that point is my issue. Yeah, yeah. Or if you have the two of them get up and try and get out of that room and then he gets confrontation. Yeah, if yeah. the if like, the if the choice was like if we, if, if, like, if we have to ditch certain scenes, therefore we have to reshoot this part of the ending. I could agree with that. Like that. Yeah. Does that does that scene in particular take away from the last shot or that that last little tell to everybody? Me, does that uh, yes. everything? I don't. Oh, okay. Because it, it, it start it, the movie the ending really shifts between like three different modes. There's like the oh my God, my man was possessed and now he's about to die because of this crazy thing that this other person did. Then there's like, okay, we need the social messaging about how black people have to deal with the police and we need a parallel to the beginning. And then there's a, oh, by the way, this is launching a new franchise. We're going to have three new movies where black people are going to go around saying Candyman and Mirrors five times and slicing and dicing the white people to take over the world. <laughs> I, I will say this. Because I, 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 I have similar issues with Halloween as far as how it chooses to wrap up that story. The new, the, 20, oh the Will Michael Myers ever die? <laughs> <laughs> ever I, die. I will say this. If, if, if Candyman kills and Candyman ends come out and they reconcile certain things that make the first one make more sense, I'll be very happy. Sure. I, I, I want to ask you guys some other questions around the movie as well, not so much related <laughs> to the ending. Um the Tiana dad storyline, uh, where her, I forgot about that. Yeah, like where her dad is like this artist as well, who's plagued by depression or whatever else. And I was like, was he affected by Candyman? Like I like so because these paintings look very eerily similar in in the room. And I so I was like, what was this? And I, I wish they that had has more that. to do with whatever everybody's saying now. And and I and I don't want to make this like a cop out, but. Um, it needs to be a longer movie, and we're missing ten scenes. And that sounds horrible, but I think that goes to the point. Like we're 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 getting little tidbits, but we're not just getting tidbits of dialogue. We're getting one scene mm -hmm. that I want to to be expanded on. So mm -hmm. I get I think I think this is what what's what's happening, I especially like... with that scene, because I was kind of confused about, about who it was. Yeah, for a so little bit. I was like, who is yeah. yeah? Who is this guy? I, I thought it was another artist that was there. I thought it was the artist that he got into a fight with for like I two seconds. I love the backstory. I love right. that backstory for her. And right. I was like, I'll, I'll just say I was not confused. It's a, clearly a flashback to her as a child watching her father jump out a window. Like that seemed very clear to me. Yeah. Okay. I liked the backstory of it, especially when her brother is like, like you don't have to sit around with another yes. tortured artist. Like as a character yeah. point, mm -hmm. I think okay. it was really interesting. I would have liked them to expand on it a little bit. I agree. Cause like it's, 
the brother is there to sort of be, you know, he is he is what Jungle Cruise thought it was doing with Jack Whitehall. Um, <laughs> so it's like it's really interesting to have that character, and it's interesting to have that backstory. I just wish she got to wrestle with that some more um, because and I did like other... I did like that point. Yeah, because my other uh, item that I would have been interested in is, yes, it would be cool to to have that expansion of her own past traumatic experiences. But was Candyman always in her life as well? Because let's say that her dad had conjured him and then became a tortured soul and was like, I got to I got to do something to protect my family kind of thing. And so he just kills himself. That would have been interesting. Obviously, this is all speculations, probably never even part of the 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 canon universe but more just like you know this would have been interesting to explore just the mythos of Candyman overall like i know that we got Candyman as an uh, as a person that has been uh different people throughout history but what if she and anthony have both experienced Candyman since they were young and something brought them to cabrini green mm, i love that that's, yeah, I like that's, it. that's fair, and that seems, that, that seems like a different movie or one that might like be hinted yeah, totally, in yeah. some sequel. I will just say, I mean, her father committed suicide. Like, there's a big difference between, like, right. you know, being beaten down by police or racial injustice and, like, guy had a psychotic break, which is what she said. And Well, like, if you something. tie it to Yaya's journey, you know, we... Or even Helen's. We, we had, you know, a discussion about, like, the body horror aspect of it, and how characters how he was going through all of this and he's like literally rotting Mm -hmm. right but nobody in his world is commenting on that Mm -hmm. so like you could there 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 are some parallels that they could have done um yeah i did like it i did like it as a backstory um Mm -hmm. i wish they would have done a little more with that but yeah yeah well i (laughs) <laughs> like we've been talking about this for a while. I don't want to cut this too short, but I do think we no, got, I think I do think we got a lot out as far as talking <laughs> about the ending. And so I, I do hope the listeners that you know remember to not cut off the podcast after the song um, enjoyed our our take on you know where things went. Oh, sorry, just one last goes. question for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can can does Candyman allow himself to appear physically to people, or is it only in mirrors? From the uh, well, well, yeah, he's he does physical at the end. At the end, he's physical, so yeah. Because the cops just like start shooting. I was like, I thought that he was only in mirrors or reflections or. No, the cops can't see him. It seems that's. It seems like only. Am I right? It seems like only Tiana Paris they, is the one. Who were they that... shooting at then? Were they shooting though? I mean, they were. Yeah, they like start shooting. Like when she's in the car, they start shooting at at uh, Yaya's character. Oh, they do when he's like, in the doorway. Floating. You're right. So yeah, they yeah. do. So he does. Like, is, can he just like make himself appear to so, people? So yeah, he does. I mean, yeah. he seems to be both like. A manifestation and uh, uh, spirit, whatever. He seems to be both physical and whatever I mean, at certain points. It, of, of more that, that, I mean, that's that's ghost shit. I mean, that's uh, every ghost movie has like weird shit. rules. That's, I mean, it is yeah, like that's it, what it comes down to. It's ghost it, shit. It, it, very much it wasn't like bizarre a, to me. Yeah. It follows, right? Mm. Well, in the original, he burns. So I, it wasn't anything like I'm. I'm like, oh, this. Well, is again, the original doesn't have any mirror stuff going on at all, really. Like he's just right. There in the or original, he's like there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, she did conjure him in a mirror. Yeah, but but I'm saying when he appears in the movie, you just see Tony Todd just standing out in public. Like he's not like yeah. You know, he's like, like, he's yeah. like in a parking yeah. garage. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not in yeah. a mirror only. He's just which is a over. very effective introduction. To oh, that it character. is. The oh big, yeah, tall, dark, handsome Tony Todd just comes in monologuing yeah. like. <laughs> right. Yeah, I do like I do like to, I'll give the movie also some credit. I do love the idea of him 
floating around everywhere. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. But, like just the visual of very Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In converse, no less. Okay, so thanks again, everybody, for listening. And thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this. It's ending conversation. A candy man. A candy man.